Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, it's another big day here at Action Radio, and as always, I'm uh, a little nervous whenever I have a big guest. Uh, and so uh, any, any last-minute thing like I just had to deal with right before the show uh, makes me even more nervous. So you never know exactly what's going to happen or how it's going to work. But uh, uh, as far as I know, we're going to have uh, Christina Bob calling in at uh, 9 o'clock Central, 10 o'clock Eastern, and that would be in two hours from now, uh, assuming all goes well. But uh, like I said, there's always little last-minute technical things. So who knows? You know, you start dealing with... Uh, you know, these folks that, that, that talk to the whole world and, you know, a senior advisor and an attorney in the Trump campaign, which I'm trying to get connected with. Uh, like I say, we never know for sure. But, um, well, whatever time I get, you know, I'm going to ask as many questions as time allows and we'll see what happens. But ultimately, my goal is to get us uh, connected to the campaign so that we can uh, have the first campaign in history where citizen legislation becomes, you know, a decent part of that campaign. But that remains to be seen. We're still after it. All right. Bill's on the line. So let's talk to him and get to the Fecky report. Montite Action Radio presents the Fecky Report. Good morning, Action Radio. Greg Pendunkadunk Liss, how's it going? Well, give me, give me a new name every week. Is this, is this the deal now? <laughs> yeah, it's actually becoming very challenging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And I thought Pengles was hard enough. You know, I used to keep uh, uh, when I worked uh, briefly with the Massachusetts government um, after college. They they gave me I all kinds of stuff was sent to me, and I kept a list of all the misspellings of my name. So I had a regular, you know, uh, five subject notebook, you know, page stuck on the wall, and and there was three columns of misspellings of my name. Which is like 60 plus combinations. It was pretty interesting. But anyway, uh, feel free. Pengalopolis or whatever you just called me. Okay, great. Wonderful. How are you? Pended. I can't even pronounce it again. Oh, well. Well, No, everything's going pretty well. Um, You know, um, as most people probably know at this point, but for the new people, you know, um, I do own a pediatric clinic. So the past Mm -hmm. couple of weeks, it's been uh, pretty hectic because all the kids are going back to school. Right. And all the parents have decided to wait to the very, very last second uh, to make sure that their kids are up to date on their physicals and shots, um, including one person at five minutes to five last night who was begging to come in immediately because they because they needed to register their kids for school. And school started today. <laughs> Good timing. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess they're multitasking and they just, uh, you know, uh, that's kind of crazy. So what are the current requirements? Uh, are they still requiring a certain level of, of vaccines and things like that? Or can kids just, you know, go naturally healthy to school? Well, there are religious exemptions that the school does allow. Um, uh-huh. Obviously, there are certain there are certain requirements that um, are more or less mandatory unless you have that exemption. But that exemption is basically... Um, telling somebody I'm religiously exempt 
and right. they go ahead and check mark the box and you're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's good. I mean, that's the way it should be. Um, how about a health yeah. exemption? Like you're, you're, you're too healthy to bother with those things. I mean, <laughs> that'd be my exemption. I'm sorry. I'm too healthy. I don't want to take those. Okay, fine. Well, you know, it, it's, you know, it's, it's always a personal preference. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, depending on what study, you know, and studies are what you want to make of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, you have studies that say sh- uh, vaccines are bad. Other studies will say vaccines are good. Um, somewhere kind of in the middle. Um, you mm-hmm. know, at our clinic, we don't do any vaccines that don't have at least a ten-year history. Um, that makes sense. Of of yeah, because we want to make sure that we we do see mm-hmm. any side effects and stuff like that. And you know, and just like the polio vaccine. Uh, which was out for 10 years before they realized that it was causing cancer and they made the, adjust, the proper adjustments for that. How about that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so, there's a lot of know, So like I that. can't wait. So we're, mm-hmm. we're in year three, right? Uh, so we're, we're, we're in year two right now, of the COVID vaccine. So mm-hmm. probably another three years, we'll start seeing studies pop up on the side of the true How dangerous it is for the COVID vaccine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I made a post last night on Facebook that, I mean, as, as you know, I had open heart surgery uh, back in 2016, uh, right before the election. It was kind of funny. It was October 24th. Um, and, and one of the biggest reasons for that, you know, my decision was not to get myocarditis and die prematurely. And so the idea of taking a COVID shot, as I put in the, uh, the post, you can, t- you can guess where I told them they could put their jab. Um, I was yeah. not going to have any part of it. Uh, just, you know, in fact, I, I should have been medically exempt, even if there was a mandate. I mean, personally, there wasn't, so I didn't have to worry about it. But even if there was, I wouldn't have done it. You know, it just well, made no exactly. sense. And, uh, yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I always made it a point, you know, in our clinic, we never made it mandatory. Um, we, you know, we never, we would not mm-hmm. tell them yes or no, because uh, we didn't have enough data to, to tell them a yes or no. And I, I've said it since the very beginning that it's uh, what was the word I used? Medically ne- negligent, I think is the word, the terminology I used back when this first came out. For any doctor, for anyone to push this as a cure, a cure all, um, there was no data that suggested that this was going to work. Uh, mm-hmm. There was no data that stated that this was safe. And for anyone to come out and say, yes, you have to get this vaccine because it's going to protect you and protect others. Uh, was, How does it protect it others? <laughs> that, that all causes laughable. There are two laughable things that, that were so absurd it was ridiculous. Uh, but yet people believed in one was that you take a vaccine to protect other people. Hence the, the folks that would walk around, you know, downtown Pensacola wearing a seatbelt saying, I'm doing this for you. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, every, every yeah. ever saw that. Uh, it was kind of a joke, but the same yeah, thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, the other one was asymptomatic transfer, which doesn't exist. You know, if you don't have symptoms, if you're not coughing, you know, and spreading uh, germs and bacteria and viruses, you're not spreading anything, you know. And so that myth was blown out of the water, too. Um, so it was, it's really quite fascinating. But here's a question for you, though. And the same question I asked Judy Mikovits when she was on. Uh, she's a, one of the, probably the world's greatest uh, molecular biologists. I mean, she made vaccines. She knows what she's talking about. The diseases that you're, that you're giving vaccines for, um, how many of them are actually fatal? Uh, I know polio is serious, but polio was, was reduced mostly by chlorine in the swimming pools, better sewers, better nutrition, the things that reduce almost all of our diseases. So how dangerous are the diseases, and, and are there any that cannot be treated? Do we vaccinate for anything that can't be treated? Okay, so 
I guess it all depends on who the person is. Um, you know, and, and that's okay. the whole problem with this fight. You know, um, the fight is is that, you know, someone, someone will say, oh, the chickenpox vaccine caused my kid to have uh, autism. Proven false, autism is really done, is pretty much detected almost before um, the first facts, the first shot is given um, as far as, the, you know, the MMR, which is the measles, mump, rubella. Um, you know, yeah, I got that one when I was a kid. Might, yeah, but there might be something in your DNA that uh-huh. that shot triggers. Um, you know, and, and everyone's DNA is different. Everyone's makeup is different. You know, I'm allergic to bananas. If I have, if I eat bananas, my my esophagus closes. Huh. But it doesn't happen to you. Uh, shellfish is another one. Peanuts, which you know, we could go on a whole story about peanuts because I still think that's something else that's triggering this. All of a sudden, everyone's allergic to peanuts garbage. Um, right. There's something else definitely going on with that. Um, but what we're looking at here, I mean, and if you want to say vaccines are changing your DNA, well, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I would have to say, yes, it is changing it because it is trying, because it is working um, to prevent something. But going back to your original question, has mm-hmm. people died of measles? Yes. Uh, uh, Rubel, um Billy Rubin, which is um, very common at a very young age, um, yeah, you could die from that or have serious uh, long-term effects from that. Um, mm-hmm. If you're talking about pertussis, yes, people have died. I mean, all these vaccines, someone has died from that disease. Whether okay. be, someone's died from chickenpox, someone's died from the flu. Oh, I had chickenpox um, at 42 years old. I don't recommend that, but because uh, <laughs> I never had it as a kid, uh, but I picked up. Well, I had it daughter, twice. You know. I had it. In, I had it in oh. kindergarten, and I had it sophomore year of high school. And it's yeah. It, the older you get, the worse it is. <laughs> no kidding. Well, so so the next question is: of these diseases that, that they're vaccinated for, are there any that are untreatable? If you get pertussis, you know, is there is a pretty uh, quick. Uh, uh, treatment or a cure for that. And so in other words, do we need to vaccinate for every possible disease or considering how rare these are these days, um, can we just, uh, would it be, can people make a choice to say, okay, fine, I'm not going to vaccinate, but if the disease is there, yeah, I'll be right in for, for treatment, you know, at the earliest stages, you know, so is that so, a, a viable treatment uh, plan? All right. So, uh, so the argument with that is that, okay, so you, the, you brought up, we brought up a, uh, polio already. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, uh, science, science will say that because of the vaccine, polio is almost non-existent. Um, yeah, combined, and it probably is combined with environmental changes also. Um, we're seeing less and less chicken pox in kids uh, mm-hmm. in comparison to years and years ago. But what we are starting to see is more meningitis. We're starting to see, which is there's a vaccine for meningitis that a lot of the older kids uh, wave. Um, you know, the parents wave it saying that it's not necessary to get into high school. So therefore my kid's not going to get it, which is fine. You know, we, we mm-hmm. don't care about that. Um, you know, um, tetanus is something that obviously, you, you know, you get stabbed by a rusty nail, you're going to get a shot anyway. So you might as well get it ahead of time. <laughs> um, hepatitis A is something that if you ever live, if you ever been to a foreign country, you definitely want to make sure you, that you have, um, you're fully boosted for the hepatitis A because that stuff was pretty pretty nasty. Um, I've been I'm just going down the list. <laughs> I, yeah, I went to a bunch it, of foreign it, countries it, over three months. I mean, I went to like twenty. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. And if you if you if you're not up to date on, with your hep, hep A booster, 
you know, drinking that water could come very nasty in a hurry. And of course, oh, I didn't drink the water. I, just, I, I, yeah, I never well, drank the exactly. water. No, I drank the wine. The, I drank anything else, fruit juice. I drank all kinds of. Uh, if it didn't come out of a bottle, <laughs> I didn't. You know, I didn't. I didn't even drink. The, use the ice. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was pretty careful about that. So yeah. Yep. Yeah, me, me. That's the way I was when I was over in the Philippines. A couple of times I did use the ice, and yeah, I had repercussions because of it. No, yeah, um, and you don't think of the ice, but ice is water, folks. Just because it's frozen exactly. doesn't mean it's uh, yeah. Bacteria like so okay, I just so I'll just sleep hot, through a while. You just don't yeah. care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, use the air conditioning, but don't breathe the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, okay. so it depends on who the person is. Will depend. On how it on on how deadly a virus is, you know, people with weak immune systems are more susceptible to dying from the common cold than someone like me or you who has a right. you know who are fully immune. Um, so you know, so I and I really that's the one thing about science that really really irritates me is the fact that they try to group people all together, and each one of us is so different. I have you know, oh, I used to have blonde hair and blue eyes. Now I got great grayish blonde hair and blue eyes um yeah but, your you eyes know, don't go gray you have, <laughs> well maybe eventually yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know after you've left this world but yeah but until then no, i think you'd be fine yeah but hair yeah, and, hey, i listen. mean and then you know say my saw, wife has yeah. brown eyes uh-huh. and brown hair you know we okay. are not exactly the same so how can yeah. you say this vaccine is a cure-all for all And that's been my problem with this COVID thing from the very beginning when they're Mm -hmm. talking about attaching to your DNA so that your DNA learns how to fight fight this new virus Mm -hmm. is not all DNA reacts exactly the same. But your DNA already knows how to fight it. I mean, we were born with an immune system. So what the problem is that you're replacing uh, natural immunity with, with chemical generic you know, one size fits all immunity. And what they're finding, I learned about this, was that, uh, yeah, you'd boost for some very particular specific things, but you ruined your immunity for everything else. You know, all, this is how the variants came about. Because the variants go, oh, we'll just change our, our you know, genetics a little bit. And the, of course, viruses multiply so quickly. That, I mean, changing their, their DNA is easy. It's how they survive. Um, but uh, our immune system is built to handle that. You know, and so the, using the chemical immune system as opposed to our regular one made no sense. And the fact that they didn't test for immunity, this is where I knew this was a fraud. I knew this was a complete business fraud because the fact that they didn't test for immunity first. Why would you give a, a vaccination to somebody who's already immune? Now, we all had COVID around here. Right. right? We've talked about this beginning of January 2020. We had COVID before we knew what COVID was. We were already over it. Yep. Okay. So as soon as it came out, and all of us are like, oh. I just had that, you know, so I, I don't need a, I don't need a, you know, a shot. I don't need a mask. I don't need that stuff. I'm already immune. And, and so, and we were right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, and, and exactly right. And it, what was really annoying is that some people did go out and get immunity testing and came back that said that they did have the titers to fight this. And, but yet it, that wasn't acceptable. They still had to show that they got a shot and thus, here comes the fake COVID cards and stuff like that. And, you know, which is really, really sad that, that people were so, that are, people are so stupid. I'm just going to say it. People are so stupid that just because you had a card that all of a sudden you were okay to come inside their restaurant or inside their <laughs> store or just to go outside, you know, for a stupid card. And they didn't care if it was a fraud or not. They just wanted to make sure you had a card. I mean, oh, yeah, conformity and fear. Before. Yeah, Mass this psychosis. is one of the biggest psyops. All this yep. was is one huge psyops. 
No, the marketing what it ended up being. No, yeah. it's, it's one of the world's greatest forced marketing campaigns to buy a product that uh, will either injure or kill you. Uh, it best provides maybe, maybe some slight additional immunity for a very short time, like a couple of months. But the risks so far exceed any potential benefit from this. I mean, it's to be ridiculous. But the, the, well, and the real so test I'm of course, is product liability. I'm going to take this one step further. Yeah, without yeah, product liability. I'm going to take this one step further. Yeah, but what, what they have done is illegal on so many fronts. Mm-hmm. It is illegal to, to bully or what's called coercion. Coercion is illegal in marketing. It's mm-hmm. illegal in business. If, I, if, my, if Home Depot, if I walked inside Home Depot and Home Depot threw a chainsaw at me and says, you have to buy this, otherwise you're not leaving this store. <laughs> yeah, that's a great Home, example. I like that one. Yeah. I mean, Home <laughs> Depot would be in deep trouble. And that's yeah. exactly what the federal government did to us. They, you know, they told us we can't leave our – or state, state and local governments more mm-hmm. – that we cannot leave our house unless we have a card in hand or, that, or we got vaccinated. There's no yeah. difference between the two. Coercion is illegal in business. And that's exactly what they did to us. Oh, it's beyond coercion. It was extortion. It was mandate. It was, uh, it was draconian. It was absolute communist rule. Um, Pianchi, you want to get into this? Yeah, but what, you got, what you've been saying is absolutely right. No two humans are exactly alike. Unless they are evolved in an isolated position. But when human beings start traveling and migrating around, they begin to share the differences in in the history of that immune system lies in your bone marrow, and I mean it's very clever when your body has something that's going on and they have them singing. Well, it just basically dispatches some member of it. So go to the library and see what we got there, and it's happening at a microscopic level. And I'll tell you something else too: take pests like roaches. Uh, the formula that they use to kill roaches has to change all the time. And the time you sprayed for them, you whisked that, took a, took a whiff of that, and it might have made you feel funny, but it altered your DNA. So huh. when you walk around the house and you shed its skin, those insects eat that skin, and it alters their immune system to the roach spray. We all get along yep. real well. well Th- that, this is all new to me, but that's fascinating. <laughs> Yeah, but you're you're seeing that with now with the uh, lawsuits that are coming about with um, uh, what do you call the weed killer? Um, Roundup. Uh, Roundup. Roundup. You're seeing that with the Roundup. I mean, people are now all of a sudden getting cancer because of it. And Pianchi mm-hmm. is exactly right. You know, it's alternating your DNA. It's knocking down your immune system, and it's allowing cancer. You know, that's and that's you know, yeah, he brings up a great point. Yeah, no, I, I was, I just, it was new to me. I was just fascinated by it. But uh, Roundup has dioxin, which is a well-known carcinogen. Uh, same thing as Agent Orange. It's the same stuff. You know, dioxin is, is one of the most deadly chemicals out there. Uh, and what's wrong with weeds anyway? You know, grow different plants. <laughs> you know, anyway. Um, okay, well, we've got about 10 minutes left, Bill. Do you have any politics for us or uh, any other pressing yeah, so, issues? Yeah, so, you know, I, um, so on the lighter note, you know, a friend of mine, Joe, he uh, tried the Dolly Parton. Uh, diet, and now Joe is lean. <laughs> Jolene. Oh, Jolene. 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 Uh-huh. <laughs> but I, I okay, just fine. got in the car accident. 
I, I did get carjacked what? the other day, though. Yeah, what? I got carjacked the other day. Yeah, so I told uh-huh. I told the cops. I go, yeah, I guess they're pirates of the car I be in. Hmm. Is this just a little news for you, Bill, or something, or what? Because <laughs> we got a lot of stuff. Okay, so we, we got a ton of things on, going on. on. Yeah, so on, on Instagram, there's a uh, these. I think it's Bill Engel and one other guy. It looks like Bill Engel. I don't know who it is though. Um, they, they sit on the they sit on a on a dock on a on a river, and they pretend to drink like this frothy either coffee or hot wet, I don't know what it is, and they tell bad dad jokes and those were the two for this morning and it was pretty I, I found them pretty humorous, so I figured I'd oh, share okay. them with you. Well thank you for sharing. I but really no, appreciate let's, sharing. But let's talk, let's we, talk we, about we group hug too, so yeah, all right. Hey listen there was something interesting <laughs> there was something interesting. I found on uh, Mike Hill's website. We're trying to get Mike back on the show. Uh, it'd be a good time to have him back. But he had a thing from W E A R Wear T V uh, of this video of this shark swimming amongst uh, swimmers in Navarre. I think it's the Navarre Beach yeah. Pier. Have you seen that? That's pretty cool. I, I want to well, put you got, the theme it, from Jaws under it uh, so people can look, okay, can look so at the video. I, I, go, actually, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, okay. Because uh, I, I, I am glad you brought you it up because that was the one thing I did. Yeah, so you know, you know you're going to have a bad day when you wake up at 530 in the morning and all your windows are already foggy because it's too freaking humid outside. <laughs> and, 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 and you have you your noticed, air conditioning on too strong. <laughs> and it's at 78. I mean, geez. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, but and if you ever notice, the only time you hear about climate change and global warming is during the summertime months in America. Mm-hmm. You don't hear about Well, there is climate change. It, it gets summertime. hot. It gets hot in the summer and cold in the but, winter. That's climate change. Well, yes. <laughs> but you never hear about global warming when it's summertime anywhere else in the world. And well, you know, that's not quite not quite true. I've, they have hot summers in Australia, you know, around around. They Christmas do, but time. but you don't hear. I mean, granted, I know it's the southern hemisphere, or whatever. But you don't even in the wintertime, you don't hear these alarmists and and frauds screaming and yelling about t- temperatures and sea level rising in Australia. You but you actually they because, do because I, I have a lot of contact with Australia. But you know what? It's interesting when you say that because if if global warming is such a problem, why is it cold in half the Earth and warm in the other half? And they switch exactly. You know, and, and so, so it's not global warming; so my, it, it's it's hemispherical, temporary warming. If you want well, to think I mean, about it, it's just you know, and, and I and I hate to you know I hate to throw science at the science people, um, but you know oh, our heaven forbid our. our yeah, our Earth axis, and this is a scientific fact, our Earth mm-hmm. axis is constantly uh, tilting. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we just recently just had one of the biggest tilts um, in the history of the Earth as far as, what they've, as far as what they've documented. Now, how much we can believe it, I don't know, because, you know, science is half of it's made up anyways, and most of it's guessing. Well, um, how much do we tilt? I mean, what, what are we talking about here? Twenty, twenty-three inches, I think it was this time. Oh my uh, God! Which is a which is global it's a inching. New record. Wait a minute, it's global inching. Yes, it's almost but two feet. What I'm where, what? where I'm going with this is as yes. our axis tilts more, the climate is going to change because now you got new places that are getting a little bit closer to the sun. Right. You're getting up other places that are further away from the sun. And that's well, they're why, not closer. Yeah, they're just getting more direct. They're getting more direct, more overhead, as opposed correct. to uh, it, which it, is it, the, getting closer to. Go ahead, Bianchi. 
No, they are getting closer because if the sun burns up its helium, which is which is detrimental to the gravitational pull of the sun holding it together, its outer circumference expands, and that's what's going to take out Mars and everything else at some point in time in the future. Now, people say, well, that's a long ways off. Yeah, but you're closer today than what you were five years ago. Mm. Correct. The sun yeah, but there's, there's, there's still a long ways off. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and then so the other thing that they're not – the other two things that they're not talking about, even though since every science book that you've ever read growing up, the Earth doesn't move in a symmetrical circle around the sun. It's an oblong circle. So sometimes the Earth is closer to the sun than other times. And we just happen to be in a part of the cycle right now to where we are actually closer to the sun than we have been in a very long time. And the fact that the sun also does kind of rotate a little bit, and we are now in what's called the dark. We're in the hottest part of the sun, which is the big dark circle that you see radiates more Mm -hmm. heat than any than any other part of the sun so we're just in this bad cycle right now where we're closest to the sun and the sun's radiating more heat than it usually radiates on us which is causing this warmness doesn't matter how much tax dollars you throw at this you can't move the sun no, if we ahead. just go communist, this will all be cured, folks. Don't you know that? If we give up our cars, <laughs> if we give up our houses, if we start driving electric battery cell things that the uh, power companies are going to cut off anyway, everything will be fine. The sun will just take care of itself, right? And this is how it works. Yeah, and that's yeah, been proven too. also. <laughs> go ahead, Bianca. Go ahead. When you build huge structures like China built the street gorgeous dam, mm-hmm. it slowed the rotation of the earth down a minuscule amount. It's measurable, but it did slow it down. So that means that we're exposed to the sun more slowly, like a rotisserie, than we were before. So all how, these how things does the dam slow, uh, How does the dam slow the rotation because down? You put, a large, you put a large physical weight lathing object where it was never at before. Then it didn't have to contend with that. Right. But the materials for those bricks came from the earth. We're so already here. Like we, we made up mm-hmm. materials already here, but it would spread out a little differently, but all the materials for concrete, you know, the sand, the, the quartz, the whatever else they put in it, the, you know, that's not already here. So they're transferring. It will spread material. out evenly now, but it's concentrated. I'll try okay, to give you some science right. information on that. Yeah. I could see where you're talking about with, you know, the bigger the buildings, the more it works as a sail, which is a deterrent to, to, to it moving. Um, but, you know, the one thing also that they refuse to talk about is they want to go electric. Well, electric takes a certain type of mineral that you have to dig out of the ground. And it's actually another scientific fact that more energy and heat is produced to, to get this lithium and other materials that are needed for electric cars than it is to, to get gas and hydro. So they're actually causing global warming themselves. If we want to believe what they are saying, they're actually causing more global warming than people with gas. Hmm. Yaki? <laughs> I don't know. I thought he was going to say something. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. 
So, oh, you're at the so I, I got I, I got to go earn my dollar for today. But you know, uh, you guys have a good rest of the show, and we will talk more next week. Sounds good. Okay, we'll just wait for Wendy to join us here in a little bit. Um, we've got uh, Marco in the, in the Netherlands checking in, talking about uh, climate activists in Australia. I'm not quite sure exactly what his message says. In the year the climate activists blocked this Australia, something suffered a huge uh, wildfire going rampage. So yeah, but but wildfires are not caused by um, what they say global warming. I mean, heat if heat made for a fire, we'd never have a fire in the wintertime. You know, it, it, we have fires all the time. You know, so that that is kind of silly. This is a big panic. It also says a big panic last month about a fire in the Roros. That would be Rhodes, uh, Greece. So, but the same thing. You have wildfires because of mismanagement of forest land. You know, back in the old days, they used to have uh, um, controlled burns, and they would let the fires burn. And then somewhere along the way, I guess in the early 1900s, uh, this idea came about that we should not have any forest fires. You know, Smokey the Bear. Only you can prevent forest fires. And so there weren't any. And then, of course, the fuel built up more and more and more and more and more. So when they did have a fire, it was a raging crown fire. It was a massive fire as opposed to a low-level you know, fire where just a little bit of material was burning and the trees were fine. And so that's the biggest problem with the wildfires. It's not the, uh, um, it's not the climate hasn't changed, but the, the forest management policies have changed. And they, they don't seem to see that. Anyway, see you and me, Pianchi, until Wendy joins us. So uh, I was momentarily distracted for a minute. What's on your mind? Anything else going well, on in today's world and society, there's no shortage for having something on your mind, that's for sure. <laughs> well, we got Christina Bob today, which is going to be really cool. We got uh, She's Trump's attorney, and I've got a million questions. As usual, for a big interview, I have overprepared, and I have about three hours worth of questions, and she has about 20, 25 minutes with us. <laughs> so situation normal here. But uh, like I said, we had a little technical glitch this morning, so hopefully uh, she'll resolve that uh, during the show, and we'll, we'll have her on on time. But um, there's some stuff going on. There's a, some really fascinating things. And you know, uh, I, it, go ahead. I want, can I make another point real quick? One sure, of the key can. things that you and your uh, last guest, uh, oh, Bill, yeah. is that, that uh, people are just dumb. They're ignorant. <laughs> and they can yeah, fall they, for anything, which we see they have. Uh-huh. Well, and this is why it's interesting. We, I, I think my political theory is that we're celebrating the conformists from the rebels. And what has happened is that the rebels you know, who maintain our independence, who make our own decisions, whether we want a vaccine or a mask or, or, quote, social distance or whether we want to stay home or not go to the beach or any other things we want. We make those decisions ourselves. The problem, the problem for, the, for the left is they, they basically they're killing off the wrong people for them. You know, the, the, the conformists, the ones that are dying, the movie stars, the Hollywood people, the, uh, you know, the, the, the health professional folks that are, that are you know, mandating athletes. this. The, the athletes, the real health professionals aren't taking it. You know, you notice that uh, nobody on the staff of the CDC, the NIH, the FDA has suffered any problems. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that no major politicians have had injuries or deaths from the shot except for uh, Trump's previous wife, uh, Ivana Trump? She died. And we think she might have died from the, the COVID jab. But you notice Fauci and, and all of his, none of those folks have had any problems whatsoever. That's because they didn't take it. <laughs> they didn't take it at all. But you know but, Another thing, okay, too, is how people are reluctant to What's admit, that? yes, this is what people are so reluctant. I don't know if they're getting paid off or what. Like Hank Aaron, mm-hmm. uh, he died. Obviously, he took the shots, but no one wants to blame the shots on that. Oh, we did. Because we did. They don't understand. Well, yeah, we no. did. 
But remember, people don't remember Hank Aaron? that we're different. Yeah, well, we're definitely different. But Hank Aaron, I remember the first few COVID deaths, as soon as they started coming out, we called them COVID deaths. Hank Aaron, Marvin Hagler, remember him, the boxer? Uh, and Larry King. Yeah. Larry King, the talk show host. They all died within hours, days, or maybe a week of getting a COVID shot. I said, well, they're starting. There you go. You know, and we were right. Anyway, let's get to Wendy, and I'll bring her into this uh, conversation. Here we go. Do you really want the truth? Do you have questions you can't ask in church? Welcome to the Oh My God Report. Wendy Arthur is more concerned with truth than propaganda, putting more value in scripture than religion, and more about you and your relationship with God than your membership in any church. This is Christianity with a Kick. Hey, happy apocalypse, Wendy. How you doing? <laughs> well, there's a, a, a mixture for you. Happy apocalypse. I just thought of it. <laughs> I, I was, I was, I was thinking of your graphic last night, uh, the, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, and I thought, hey, happy Apocalypse, Wendy. It just kind of came out. <laughs> well, good morning, Pianchi. Good morning to all of our listeners around the world. We're glad to have you on this morning's Oh My God report. Um, and exactly. And yeah. I, I did saw your, your comment this morning about you know, the, my, the painting I posted about the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my rendition, of course. Um, there are, are several much more famous ones out there. No, I recognize the brushstrokes. I knew it was you, so yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Google search it. But um, so you had asked, you know, can we discuss, you know, the symbolism in this uh, uh-huh. this morning? So yes, we can. Uh, so if and if anybody wants to see what we're talking about, you can go to the Action Radio Oh My God page. Um, and and see the the painting that I put up there of the four horsemen. And what's interesting about them is what they are holding in their hands. Mm, that's what I know. And the color of the horses that they are riding on, because the uh-huh. symbolism is um, very interesting and and frightening. <laughs> Well, it's the apocalypse. It's, it's not like uh, you know. It's, it's not the, the 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 summer you know mosquito infestation. This is this is serious stuff we're talking here. A biblical proportion, right. if I may quote Ghostbusters. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It, it yeah. will cover the world. It's not just yeah. going to be little pockets here and there. It will literally cover the world um, yeah. with with all of these things. So, um, if and if you want to read about it yourself, you can go to Revelation chapter six. Um, the four horsemen are mentioned between verses one and six. There are mm-hmm. seven seals. Um, th- there's the seven seal judgments, and then there's the the seven bowl judgments, which are afterwards. But the I find it very interesting that they only have symbolism. The Lord only chose to do symbolism for the first four seals, um, hmm. which the four horsemen represent. The other three are horrible as well. Um, we think COVID's bad. No, it's not. It can't touch what's coming. <laughs> it just cannot even touch what's coming. Well, that was something I want to talk to Bill about. So, COVID actually wasn't that bad. So the idea of taking a dangerous, you know, fatal, crippling, you know, so-called vaccine for a, a disease that's not even as strong as your basic flu bug was irrational. And yet that's what millions of people did because out of fear, they were convinced to do anything. So if you want, you know, if you want to say the devil uses fear, I mean, that's a perfect example. It's, it's amazing exactly. what people will do with a little bit of fear. And they're not even afraid right. of the right things. Well, now, 
<laughs> yeah, now, like, now they're they yeah. have commercials out about impox. Okay, everybody laughed at monkeypox, and and nobody ever you know even gave that the time of day. So now they have uh, impox, which is the new variation um, of of monkeypox. Um, that I they are actually making commercials about it now. How do you so, spell it? I've never like, I've never this is new to me. I M P O X. M the the you know letter M and then dash pox. Oh, because you can't say monkeypox because it's it's derogatory to African Americans. Right. Is is that what it is? Oh, okay, fine. I just want to get that. You straight. can't say monkeypox because I think everybody laughed at it. <laughs> well, it's funny. Anyway, it, it's ridiculous. But anyway, so yeah, if we call it jelly bean pox, pox nobody now. would nobody would take it seriously. <laughs> you know, if we had if we call it fluffball pox, you know, it's not dangerous. You got to have a nasty name. You got to call it tarantula pox or something like that. Scare people. Speaking of scaring people, yeah, well, back to the know, apocalypse. The, the, Sorry, Letters and numbers tend to do the same thing because, you know, like the yeah. Delta variant, whatever number followed that, you know, whatever. Ooh, um, right. Anyway, so let's get back to the Four Horsemen. Um, uh-huh. So if you um, look look at the painting, you will see um, a rider on the white horse, a red horse, a black horse, and then what the scriptures call a pale horse or chartreuse, which is a very pale green, a sickly color green. Um, and what they are holding in their hands um, correspond. So the rider on the white horse has a bow in his hand, you know, um, and the rider on the red horse has a very large sword in his hand, larger than a normal sword. The rider on the black horse has scales in his hand, and the rider on the pale horse has a sickle in his hand, like, like the death sickle, like the grim reaper sickle. I thought so, that was a scythe, but I could be wrong. Isn't isn't the sickle a small one and the scythe is the big one? It's like the hammer and sickle on the Russian and the Chinese flag. It's like the agricultural one, but the scythe is the big one for, for clearing whole wheat fields. I mean I could be wrong. I was just I think there's a difference. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> you know, just, Let's call just, the whole thing yeah, off. I, I okay, fine. <laughs> I I don't care what they call it. Um, you know, it's it, big blade. I'm just trying to say big nasty that, blade. That big blade. Now, big now, big all of them are weapons. Blade, okay? Yeah, but all, all of the key in the scales, <clears throat> except one. Yes. So we will take a look at that. So um, the four horsemen, like I said, they, they correspond with the first four seals of the seven seal judgments that you find in Revelation 6. And the lamb, and scripture says that the lamb, which is Jesus, the lamb of God, um, opens the seals because no one is is worthy to open the seals, only Jesus because okay. he was sinless right. and he <laughs> opened the seals. Um, so when he opened it, now this is when John, um, the apostle John, uh, was transported into heaven and he told him, "You write down everything you see. I'm going to show you things and you write them down." And this is how the book of Revelation was written. John wrote the book of Revelation by what he actually saw and was shown by God and Jesus in heaven. <clears throat> so um, when the Lamb, Jesus, opens the first seal, um, and you know, in heaven there's what they call living creatures. You know, there's angels and archangels and, and you know, seraphim and all kinds of stuff. And they're considered uh, living. In heaven. Yes, but but they are living creatures uh, before the heavenly throne. And one of the living creatures spoke to John in a voice like thunder, and he said, come. And you'll find that in Revelation Mm -hmm. 6.1. 
matter of fact, I'll just read that. It says John then records what he sees. And he says, I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Hmm. So let's talk about that. The white horse, now if this is going to be, you know, a lot, most scholars believe that this talks about the Antichrist. Because okay. he's going to come on on a white horse, which is like peace. White is peace. And he's going to come saying, peace, peace. And there will be peace for three and a half years, right, mm-hmm. um, until he shows himself for who he really is. And then you have the, the desolation um, of the temple. Um, so, and, and sets himself up as God in God's temple. Mm-hmm. And when it says that he was given a crown... In Daniel, if you go back to Daniel, it talks about a small crown. Yeah, he's, Satan tries to um, imitate and give a counterfeit for everything that God does. He can't create. Satan cannot create. Only God can create. And so he, but he can look at what's already been created and try to recreate the counterfeit for it. So does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So keep, keep that in mind. And because the Antichrist is a pawn of Satan, he is going to, to do the same thing. He is he doesn't build his own temple. He takes the temple of God already built and sets himself up as God in it. And he, he will have a small crown because he's not God. So okay. that's interesting. Does okay. God wear a crown? He is bent. Do what? Does God wear a crown? And, and like, like nobody's business, he wears a crown. Okay. <laughs> and, was it another show? But I, I never everything. thought about that till till just now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and Jesus also wears a crown. Mm-hmm. Um, and when if you make it to heaven, um, we will get crowns if? that we will. Let did you say if? I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes, you I did say mind. yes because a lot of people start the race, but not a lot of people finish it. it gets too hard, and they say, "I'm done. I'm out." <laughs> yeah. So. <clears throat> Um, anyway, so just keep in mind that the rider on the white horse is bent on conquest. And I find it interesting <clears throat> that he has a bow in his hand, which is a weapon of war. Mm-hmm. But you don't see any arrows. He's not carrying a quiver of arrows. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. So, yeah, I, I noticed that, so, but I didn't notice it. It's like I said, oh, a bow, okay. I'm thinking, I guess there are, there are arrows somewhere, because otherwise, why would you carry a bow? Yes. But now this makes more right. sense. Right, your mind okay. automatically assumes that there's a quiver of arrows somewhere. But mm-hmm. it is not mentioned in Scripture that he is carrying any. He's coming in the name of peace, but the bow is representing. Okay. But he's trying to look like he's coming in peace. Mm-hmm. So he's not carrying the arrows. He's, he's hiding those. So, um, so anyway, that if, if we, if you want to look up more about that, about the Antichrist and stuff, you can go to Revelation chapter 19. So this is for people who want to study later because, you know, don't take my word for it. Go to the word of God and see what he says. Yeah, we don't have um, time right now for the, for the whole reading of the revelations, but, you know, some, you know, we'll get it bit by bit. <laughs> anyway, who's horse number two? Yeah. And now, ladies and gentlemen, horse number two of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, presented by Wendy Arthur yes. on the Oh My God Report. Yes. So when Jesus opens the second seal, the second living creature says to John, come. 
<clears throat> and so that John can watch and write down. Again, he has to record what he sees. In Revelation 6, 3, then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. And that's why the, he was given the large sword, because this is a worldwide thing, folks. This is not some little country over there and, you know, near Iraq somewhere, you know, like... Well, it's, Ukraine most likely is, these days. <clears throat> Do what? Uh, Ukraine most likely these days as we seem to be backing into another world war just like uh, one and two for stupid reasons, but it ends up costing millions of lives. So, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, this is going to be worldwide, okay? So that, that's why a lot of people think that right now we are in the, the seal judgments, and no, we're not. In my opinion, no, we're not. But right. go before the Lord, and, and you ask him for yourself. But, you know, it, I see a lot of similarities. I really do. I, I understand mm-hmm. why some people would think that, but the Antichrist has not been revealed yet. So this, to me, that's the the main reason why I do not think that we are in the sealed judgments right now. Although okay. I think that you can you can see a lot of similarities. Um, well, you can have bad not times exact, without being but, the end times. I mean, we had World War One was a bad time. You know, World War Two was a yes, bad was. time. <laughs> you know, millions of people died. In fact, uh, I think today uh, the ninth is the the anniversary of the atomic bomb on Nagasaki. Uh, three days ago was the atomic bomb on Hiroshima. These are bad times. Those those were bad times. You know, and Bad. so uh, we can talk about those being necessary. I don't think they were, but we can talk about that another time. But the thing is that this world has been through some really bad times, and it's nothing compared to like the yeah. the old, the ancient times of volcanoes and you know atmospheric change and all that other kind of stuff. So the, the this Earth's pretty tough, you know, from dinosaurs well, to, actually, to us we're going now. Well, actually, atmospheric changes right now, um, okay. because you know, we'll talk about seeding of the atmosphere and all that kind of stuff later. But anyway. All, all of these things that are all of a sudden happening that are not normal. Um, right. No, I'm sorry. Those, those are man-made crap. But anyway, um, to let's get back to the guy with a large sword on the fiery red horse. <laughs> exactly. This, this second horseman, okay, the guy on the red fiery horse, um, uh-huh. this is referring to warfare. I mean terrible warfare. And it's going to break out all over the world in the end times. And <clears throat> those wars, um, it has to include the Antichrist's rise to power. Because if, if he's calling for peace the first three and a half years, saying peace, peace, right? That's what the scripture says. He can peace, peace, all the world. But when the red, rider with the red horse comes out, the Antichrist is going to reveal himself and his, his plan for what he really is. And that's when all of the wars and the deaths and all that kind of stuff um, is going to come about because he has to take out three other kings, three, three other country rulers um, huh. in that time. <clears throat> so just be aware that it's not just people getting angry with each other. This is, this is uh, country rulers major country rulers that are going to be taken out by the Antichrist so that he can take over their regions as well, which is necessary because he's going to come against Israel. 
Yeah. Well, see, now this is this is where it gets interesting. So, did, does the does the revelations mention countries that we would be able to identify today? For example, China, Russia, the United States, uh, Israel, obviously Israel. But I mean, is it recognizable enough that we can determine who these countries it, are, or is it more? Yeah, well, it talks about them in symbolism. It talks about the the great dragon. It talks about the bear. It talks about the eagle. So we well, know that's those <laughs> yeah. Okay, now you know, countries yeah. represent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, it's, you gotta you have to understand scriptures. Get into it. Start studying it, y'all, because you know it's coming. It's coming. And and if you weren't prepared, what's wrong with you, Wendy? You no. Know, you're you're my what? personal scriptural. You're, that's why you're here. My personal scriptural analyst and everything else. I mean, this, you know. Anyway, Pianki, well, did you have I a question? I don't think that's going to fly. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'll, all right. God, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> and you can't Fine. Take the I'll 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 start my reading between shows. Sorry, God. There you go. Anyway, okay. Let me let me give you some uh, so. let me give some uh, appropriate uh, apocalyptic music for the for the next horse person. And now, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, presented by Wendy Arthur on the Oh My God Report. Oh my God. Here they come with a bow, a sword, the scales, and the side, otherwise known as a sickle. Anyway, sorry about that. I'm just having too much fun here. <laughs> All right, so, well, we've got 10 Number minutes three. left in this segment, so we're going to try to get through the last two. <laughs> So the lamb, Jesus, right. he then opens the third seal, okay? Now, you have to understand that this is not like, you know, a couple of days after each other. Time is, is in between for all of the stuff to happen that has to happen. Okay. So when he opens the third seal, according to Revelation 6, 5, you know, he, and, and again, when he opens the third seal, the third living creature tells John, come. John's looking so he can record, and the third horseman then appears. And that's the one on the black horse carrying the scales. And Scripture says, there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a day's wages and three quarts of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and the wine. So Hmm. the black horse represents famine and scarcity, like of biblical proportions. (laughs) This is not going to be, oh, they were out of my favorite brand at the grocery store. This is, if you want... A, a loaf of bread, you are going to give an entire day's wages for a loaf of bread. Well, they're we doing that now in places. Uh, now, does it take into account currency? You look at currency devaluations in places with hyperinflation like Venezuela, you know, post-World War II Germany and other places where they would have wheelbarrows worth of, of money because it, it was worthless. You know, you know, uh, yeah. a billion dollar Venezuelan dollars for a loaf of bread. You know, some ridiculous because the money was so worthless. Uh, but that's how yeah. they do it. So is, is currency tied into this as well? Because I know that's a big deal with the, the world economic folks. Well, yeah, because if, if there is famine, uh-huh. it, it's not just uh, – you, you may have some kind of form of currency that you're going to, to be trading for things and bartering with, for you know, the stuff. But uh-huh. if you want to buy bread, you are going to you know, pay an entire day's wages for it. Okay. 
and 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 anything else. Kind of where we're headed with inflation. You know, so inflation yes, could be thought of in terms of, you know, inflation, a digital control of the currency, you know, all the stuff that's going on right now in many ways is is creating famine, you know, ruining yes. the economy and all these other kinds of things. So so a lot of these things are right. not direct. You know, when they say famine, you think of like the, the wheat fields all burning up and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't have to be that way. This can be just a scarcity, a, uh, you know, a cut in the supply lines, you know, like the toilet paper shortage. You know, that kind of stuff, which caused mass panic, especially because they had it in Venezuela. Then we got it here for no reason because <laughs> we have plenty of trees and paper. Right. And yet people still hoarded and bought mass amounts of, of, of toilet paper. Oh, no. You know, so scarcity, the, the danger in scarcity is the actual scarcity, but it's also the perception and the actions from well, the perception of scarcity. And, and if you take a look at things like right now, they're, they're trying to ruin all of our food, you know, so that yeah. we stay sick. Um, but where is all the good stuff going? The for elites them. have it hoarded for them, right? Yeah. They're eating oh, yeah. the good stuff. They're staying healthy. They aren't taking the jab. You know, the, the whole nine, nine yards, they will have all the good stuff. So if you'll notice what he says in here in, mm-hmm. in this verse, a quart of wheat for a day's wages and three mm-hmm. quarts of barley for a day's wages, that's for the people who are being oppressed and, and trying to be made into slaves, right? Right. But it hmm. says, and do not damage the oil and the wine. Who's going to have that? If you can't afford a loaf of bread, how are you going to get oil and wine? Who's getting that? Yeah, the elites. It's it's the same old thing. The elites. You okay, know, beef the for them, bugs for us. You know, that, that's, uh, that's the exactly philosophy. Exactly right. But we don't have to put up with that kind right. of stuff. We can, we can, this, it's not to the point now where it's apocalyptic. We can still change that. People aren't directed and they're not yes. organized to do that, but it, it certainly is well within the capacity of us uh, to change that. See, but now I thought the scales were, were justice, uh, the law. When I no. saw those scales, I thought this was the courts were going to be taking over. Well, uh, and go ahead. In, in, uh, well, back then, you, they didn't have cups, right? They weighed their their grain. Right. You know, you get you get this much grain. Um, you know, for you get a quarter grain for this, you, or you get you know this. It, it, they weighed everything, and it also represents false scales. Scripture talks about using false scales are an abomination to the Lord. They would weight one side of the scale so that mm-hmm. it would show that you were getting, say you were ba- buying a, a pound of something, you know, just mm-hmm. like we walk into a butcher shop and you say, I, I want a pound of smoked turkey. So mm-hmm. they would, you'd be watching the scales and it looks like you're getting a pound of turkey, but you're really not. You're only getting three quarters of a pound of turkey. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, they do that so now with you're products. paying for a full pound. But yeah, you think you're getting a pound and you're only getting 14 is, ounces. Yeah, they're, they're changing the measures. Yeah, yeah. So, and to God says that is an abomination. Interesting. It, it's it's about deceit. It's about dishonesty. It's about cheating people that mm-hmm. they have worked hard and and they're paying you for something and they're not getting what they're paying for. Um, God gets ticked off about that. Well, so, that's truly interesting. Yeah, but I'm thinking, well, it's really interesting because people say, well, it, it's it's not Christian or godly. If someone wants to take your TV, you should give it to them. Property's not worth anything. I'm like, yeah, it is. 
it's worth the, the labor that you put into it, the investment, everything else. Your property, you know, is a major stake of your life. You know, your, your salary, the salt, you know, and measuring that correctly, you know, I think that we, that's something we should explore more because there's a lot more justice to economics than I think we, we know about from, from uh, Scripture. People don't think about it, but it's really there. And as you're telling me now, I'm finding it more is. about it. Okay. Yes. So, and also, you know, when God says you have been weighed in his scales, hmm. not, not the world's scales, you've been weighed in his scales and found wanting, that's a judgment. That's saying you did not measure up to what God said you were supposed to be doing. And because his scales are true. You know, they can't be weighted. They can't, they, they're, they're not dishonest in any way. So when, when he, because everything here is a shadow of what is already in place in heaven. When God says he has scales that he's measuring people on, he's weighing mm-hmm. people on, if, mm-hmm. you, if you are found wanting, you, you're, it's not because you just, you screwed up a couple times, that you are, that's talking about your heart condition. Hmm. So it, it, it's a serious thing. But anyway. Um, so when we, when food is scarce and the prices are inflated beyond reason, we already think they're inflated beyond reason. We haven't seen nothing yet. Um, but when the command to spare the oil and the wine, um, those are, those will be luxuries, absolute luxuries. And nobody uh, of normal, um, living is going to be able to afford those. So it's interesting to me that this was actually mentioned. So just keep an eye out for that. And then on the fourth seal, this is the pale horse, the, the sickly green color horse with the, the guy with, with the side of the sickle, whatever you have on there. We'll debate it um, the <laughs> when the lamb, It says when the lamb breaks open the fourth seal, when Jesus says, <laughs> I'm opening the seal, the fourth living creature says, come to John. John looks, and he writes down, I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. Nobody talks about that. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. So, let's talk about that. Yeah. Um. Because death, obviously, is, is being portrayed by the pale horse and the guy with, with you know, the, the harvesting tool. In his Big hand. blade, yeah, he side, sickle death. thing, right. But Hades was following close behind him. Hades is the place of the dead. We interchange it with hell, but it's, it's the place of the dead. And it was following close behind death. So they were given power over a fourth of the earth. Think about that. A quarter of the, there are 8 billion people on earth. A quarter of that um, is going to be killed by sword, famine, and plague and wild beasts of the earth. We are seeing nature turning against man already. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but uh, you, you'll be seeing more and more reports of people being attacked by alligators and bears and, and, and other animals. Like some guy I just saw was attacked by his own house cat. I mean, that cat was going after him like, I'm going to kill you and wouldn't wow. stop. 
wouldn't well, we stop. just saw a video yeah, there's a video of a shark swimming amongst uh, swimmers uh, at Navarre Beach, W-E-A-R-T-V. Uh, it's on my environmental uh, project uh, action radio page and on my own page. And it's just swimming amongst people, and they're like, they're, they're getting out of the water. Except for one guy's way out, you know, with the sharks between uh, that person and the beach, which is kind of interesting. But the shark's in maybe three feet of water. Just swimming right yep. through everybody. Just, yeah. Yep. Hi, I'm here. Yeah, Good thing I'm not there. hungry. <laughs> Yeah, so these people that go swim with sharks in the shark cages in San Francisco, it's like, oh, great idea. Go, I hope you enjoy it. But, you know, not me. Nope. Not this guy. Well, so when the horseman on the pale horse shows up, death, with Hades close behind him. Right. um, Now, keep in mind, there's already, you know, great wars and great killing everywhere and, and scarcity and famine and all the, well, now comes along on top of the famine and the high prices that are ridiculous and the wars going on and people dying everywhere, now you have this guy coming along and he's bringing more warfare, terrible famines, awful plagues and diseases, and then add in nature turning on you and being attacked by wild animals that you normally wouldn't even see. Mm-hmm. So, and a fourth of the world's population will die. Wow. So you're talking 2 billion people are going to die during this seal opening. So these are the precursors of what's going to be happening because there's still three other seals to open. Oh, this is the introduction? Yeah, well, this is the first four of the seven seals of judgment. So go read Revelation chapter 6 and actually chapters 8 and 9 and 16 if you want to see about all the seals. Um, but this it's going to be an absolutely horrific time, at horrific. We can't even, our minds can't even grab a hold of this, honestly, about how bad it's going to be. So the good news is, if you are a believer and you are hanging true until, you know, the rapture happens, we're not going to be here for some of this, actually for all of it. Because once the Antichrist is revealed, you know, um, we're, we're gone pretty much if, if you're hanging in there and you are, you know, staying mm-hmm. faithful. So, um, but this is, is letting people know what is going to happen and that you don't have to be in this. You don't have to be involved in this. These are judgments on the earth from the Lord. That's when you know, it's literally the end of life as we know it. And then at the end of that seven years, it's, it's done. You know, then you go into the millennial reign and all that kind of stuff. So, it's just really important to know that as bad as this stuff is, and we honestly can't even wrap our minds around it because we don't, we have never seen devastation and, and horrific, heinous acts like this. We have not seen them. As bad as the Holocaust was, as bad as, you know, some of the other things that we've lived through have been, mm-hmm. it's nothing compared to what's coming. We don't have to be a part of it. So, you know, bow now, avoid the rush. Yeah, and that's the critical part of it. Bonnie's here. I'm going to make her line live. But that is so critical, I think, that this is not an inevitable 
thing. We don't have to, you know, call this judgment down. It, there's, there's no, you know, real reason for it to happen. You know, if we individually and, and you know, as, as a, I guess, a planet, you know, change our behavior, um, change our beliefs. And, and there's like, is it, this is, this is a, it's like knowing about this is like the big warning. Okay. So, you know, you know what can happen. But it doesn't have to happen. Yes. And I think that part's missing. Everybody thinks of this as not only uh, apocalyptic, but uh, predetermined. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. Well, if, if the entire world returns to the, to the Lord, you know, then no, it doesn't have to happen. But knowing human nature. <laughs> well, that, see, that's the problem. Human, <laughs> humans are more inclined to fear and to go for the most basic emotions. You know, look at COVID. COVID was a perfect example of, uh, you know, people becoming irrational based on a fear of something that they were already probably immune to, which is fascinating. Yeah, well, when, well, when only 30% of the population didn't buy into it, what does that tell you? Yeah. Most, and, well, <clears throat> most of I'm humanity, really proud to be in that 30%. Yeah, in fact, uh, we were the earliest part of that 30%. <laughs> we never bought into it, not for a second, which I'm proud to say. Nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Bonnie? But... Oh, yeah, well, well, I'm in the same your... boat. I Good never morning. bought into it either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I've got to I got to pick up Jonathan's line too. He's calling an hour early, but that's okay. I'll let him know. <laughs> you can see if he wants to join us for a few minutes. If not, then uh, I'll get him back in the next hour. Um, let's get uh, let's get your information, Wendy, and then uh, as always, you're welcome to stick around, or I'll just harass Bonnie for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> And, and good morning, Bonnie. I know you can handle it. <laughs> Thanks, Wendy. <laughs> ask any questions or if you need some other information where I can point you to in scriptures, then get a hold of me on Facebook. You can find me at Wendy Arthur, Art by Wendy Arthur, or Dimensions Ministries. And as I said earlier, bow now, avoid the rush. There we go. All right, let me just um, pick up uh, Jonathan's line real quick before uh, before we get into uh, um, Bonnie's report. Jonathan, you're an hour early. Did you want to stick around or you want to call back? Oh, I thought you said nine. All right. Your, yeah, your I said time nine o'clock goes. central, 10 o'clock eastern. But that's okay. I, I, I goofed. I thought, I thought it, it happens it nine, all the time. I thought it was nine o'clock Florida time. That was like. Well, um, I am Florida, but, but I'm, in the, I'm in one of those 10 counties that actually is in central time. I so my mistake. So I, I apologize. Yeah. No, your time zones frighten and confuse me. Your modern. Uh... <laughs> well, I, I like being central because then, then the West Coast is only two hours away instead of three hours. So I figure that the East Coast can always sleep in an hour. That's easy for East Coast people. That's where a lot of our guests come from right. anyway. Well, that's fine. Talk... I thought I was. I thought I was late. So uh, no, no, you're fine. Well, well... Yeah, you're actually early. See, it worked out great. See, time zone. Well, time zone saved you. Central time saved you, Jonathan. Look at the bright side. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I don't mean to interrupt your flow. I just, I just looked at. Oh my, no, that I was doing. Me. I'm just trying to finish up a friend of the court brief to the Supreme Court to try to get one guy to sign it. And well, I look it, up. It, and, that oh my what God, you're doing? Okay. Then I, I suppose, I suppose you can. That's more important than talking to us. Okay, fine. Be that way. I'm teasing you. No, I, I'm <laughs> actually, I'm actually pretty, pretty fun, finished with it. Okay. Um, well, let's. Unless uh... it, like. Unless it's like well, one of those things that's ne- never finished, but uh, yeah, well, sure. hang on for a little, hang on for a little bit. Uh, we'll see what Bonnie's got in mind, and then uh, you can right. join in or just uh, mute for a while till uh, well, uh, uh, Christina gets I, here. And uh, I guess it's her time, so go ahead. Okay, well, let's start with her theme, and away we go. 
There she sits, behind the microphone, a mild-mannered radio talk show host, news and weather person. But that's only part of the story. She's really a secret agent. Meet Bonnie Nesbitt, or as we address her, Bond, Jane Bond. Jane Bond travels the world incognito, trying to ferret out the world's most interesting stories and talking to the world's most dangerous people. So join us now as we go into the secret world of our secret agent, Bonnie Nesbitt, with her secret report, available exclusively on Action Radio. And now, Bonnie Nesbitt, also known as Jane Bond, with The Bond Report on Action Radio. You know, I think when I made that, I was a little enthralled with my own voice. I need to take about 30 seconds off, maybe about 20 seconds off that. <laughs> a, little, a little repetitive, so I'm going to make a new one, and we'll sort of have the edited Bond report. But, uh, you know, I, I occasionally make, uh, make big, long things, but uh, I'll work on that. I don't need to make it a little snappier. But I was feeling creative one morning, and I said, well, let's get that microphone voice. And, you know, it's kind of fun to be on the radio. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, that's why we do it. You know, the people that hate the sound of their own right. voice don't do, don't do radio because, <laughs> you know, you, you, you wouldn't <laughs> last very long. I can't stand my voice. Right. I can't hear my voice in my head. Yeah, it doesn't work anyway. So what uh, cataclysmic, uh, apocalyptic, uh, you know, cheery things have you brought to us this week? Well, you know, interestingly enough, with Wendy talking about the end times and nature kind of fighting back against man, um, uh-huh. it, it literally ties into something that I was looking at that caught my attention. And that was just oh, the good. increase in the solar flares. We huh. keep reading about the activity, and I guess on Monday even, when I was listening to you, this could have been a fluky thing, but when I was listening live, it kept cutting out. Like, I was listening live, and my signal kept stopping. I'm like, what is going on? I'm literally in Wi-Fi. It shouldn't be doing this. There was actually a solar flare, like, a, I guess it was a three on their scale of a five-point scale, huh. and it was interrupting radio and satellite signals all day Monday. Share with so the FBI. I that mean, was, you know, we know they listen, yeah. so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You can't blame the FBI or you can. They might be inventing the solar flares. It could very well be just, you know, code mm-hmm. name solar flare is FBI interruption. But exactly. Um, there's Looks another like one another... that was predicted. Solar flare interruption. Yeah. FBI, yes. FBI, KGB, KGB, FBI, FBI, KGB. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Huh. One and the same. No, the, the CME is what they refer to these solar flares as. And I was like, what does CME stand for? It actually stands for coronal mass ejections, which I find extremely hysterical. That sounds like sex talk. There's something wrong here. That's <laughs> exactly what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's exactly the we, first thing that came to so mind. <laughs> we got some nerdy scientist who hasn't gotten any in a while is thinking of this sexual term for a solar flare. Okay, fine. If that's, if that's what our government spends our tax dollars on. Uh, yeah. Okay. What is yeah. it, so? What is what is CME? One more time. So, you know, one more CME letter. For, you put a vowel in there, and it yeah. gets really bad. But I'll, we'll just we'll just hold off on that for a second here. Ah, sorry. Coronal. Kind of day, folks. Coronal. So we kind of got Corona in there with COVID. So it's coronal right. mass ejection. Ejection. That okay. You gotta make sure ejection. you say that one correctly. Ejection. We don't want to have a coronal mass. You know what? Okay. Fine. <laughs> now a Corona <laughs> actually. Is a scientific term, right? It's a crown. It is, it's the, it's, it's a, a crown. crown. It's the outside of something. So a coronavirus Correct. is something that's on the outside of the mm-hmm. cell. A solar flare on the sun's right. corona, you know, is on the outside mm-hmm. of the sun. That's where solar mm-hmm. flares are. They don't go internally. Right. You'd never see them. 
Um, but solar flares are generally an indication of increased solar activity, which means more warmth. This exactly. Is Pianchi back in because he knows about this kind of stuff. Um, so uh, that sort of goes against the Maunder minimum and some of the other and the reduced solar activity uh, for the next 30 years. So are, are the, the solar cycles conflicting with each other and canceling each other out? Do we have increased solar flares, which is actually a good thing, shows the sun's more active mm-hmm. and it's not cooling. I don't want cooling. I want warming. Um, you know, warm may make you yeah. miserable, but cooling will kill you. <laughs> More people die in the cold than the warm. Right. Um, that's, that's a known fact. Right. Well, know? and then I saw off of Except the Oregon the coast, there's actually a lot of warming going on there as well. Like that's been another huge point that they're talking about. I just found mm. out this past week, Indiana, where I live, is predicted to have a very, very harsh winter, like one of the harshest we've seen in a long time because of supposedly these warming temps in the Pacific Ocean that are going to affect the, the jet stream and how it carries the weather over and dips down into Indiana. Because I'm really up high. I'm near Lake Michigan, right on the mm-hmm. border of Indiana and Michigan. So mm-hmm. very close to Lake Michigan. And we, we often get lake effect snow and lake effect weather. But this is supposed to be an intentional dipping down based on that warm weather. And it will bypass most of New York and Pennsylvania and then cut back up to the, north, the easternmost part of New England. So you're talking New Hampshire and Maine on par with what they would normally get. We haven't seen a winter with feet of snow in quite a while, like many, many years. When I was a kid, I used to build up the snow banks, and the snow plows would go, and I can remember having five-foot-high piles to play in on the side of the roads. But it's it's been quite a while since anything like that has happened. So we'll see. We'll see. It should be um, interesting to see if it actually comes to fruition based on the warming and solar flare activity that they – I mean, if everything cycles together – who knows? Who knows? Well, but interestingly enough, topic. Biden yeah. actually sat down too to, to discuss the increase of global warming and climate change of all outlets. As we know, he doesn't, he doesn't give one-on-one interviews because he's scared to death of anything that's not on a teleprompter and tells him to sit down <laughs> and stand up. But he actually sat down with a, the yeah. Weather Channel to do a oh, one-on-one. Really? Yes. They got to interview him on the Weather Channel so he could talk all about combating climate change on a channel that's, quote, unquote, not political. And that cracked me up. Of all the channels, it's like reaching out to people that don't normally watch politics. Who can we reach? Hmm, Let's see. Well, maybe we'll reach out to Grandpa in the chair who likes to watch the Weather Channel nonstop. We'll we'll reach out to him and tell him how. uh, Let's give him the perfect eyes and just put him on Sesame Street. Well, of course, he's probably bringing a drag queen. There, so that I, be a good idea. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he already so, is. If you look at any Sesame Street character, the indoctrination is already there for children ages three and up. It's essentially oh, yeah. he is the best puppet available. Why not? I mean, they're all puppets on Sesame Street. Just, you know, give him the Elmo voice and go for it. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> Cookie. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cookie Monster. No no one comes to mind right now. I'm better at, uh, I think we did Kermit. Did we do Kermit last week? Uh, Kermit the Frog. Okay, fine. You did. Yeah, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Kermit. Let's talk about uh, the weather. Yeah. Um, This is fascinating. Uh, The whole idea of weather and politics, you know, uh, and it's such such an easy out for them because they can use anything. You know, the summer gets hot. Well, that's because the summer gets hot, right? You know, and they say, well, look, it's it's, it's climate change. Or this is even better. The winter cold is because of the summer heat it's yeah. climate change okay so call me crazy <laughs> but generally when things cool down the, the, it's the lack of heat not not the excess of heat so are they relating right. this now and uh well i know how the jet stream works Pianchi knows how it mm-hmm. works too because we're, we're both pilots 
And so we know that the jet stream is a 200 mile an hour plus blast of air uh, that starts up high mm-hmm. in the Arctic, up, up way up in Alaska, and it comes way down. And the lower yeah. it dips, depending on uh, atmospheric pressure, things like that, the lower the pressure, the further it dips, the, co- the lower the cold air goes. And those of us here in the panhandle of Florida, which is central time, uh, compared to uh, Jonathan, which is on Eastern Time, um, we, we in the Central Time Zone, we get the Alabama blast down from the north. So the Indiana weather mm-hmm. you get is going to be down here in a few days. We've had snow in Florida here in the Panhandle. When I first got yeah. here, we got snow my right. first year. And so it does happen. We get freezes. We get, I, get, I get greater temperature difference here than I did in, in uh, San Francisco, California, which because of the moderating fog in the summertime, uh, we had 55 in the winter and 65 in the summer. It was amazing except for a couple of hot weeks in the spring and fall. Yeah. Uh, so that's the most moderate climate mm-hmm. in the world. Uh, that's why people live there. But uh, where the jet stream goes, but it changes every year. I mean, it always changes. Right. You know, because yeah, weather, it temperature, pressure, gravity, Coriolis effect, I mean, all that stuff ties in. Uh, rotation, tilt, 23 inches of difference now. So, uh, you know, on the wobble, <laughs> all that stuff's going to play in. Everything plays in. That's why you can, you can never predict right. the weather. You can only report what was because there's too many variables. Not even the biggest computer can take into account all the variables. So let's go to the let's go to the most authoritative source out there. What does the Farmer's Almanac say about your winter? Mm-hmm. Let's talk I think about, Farmer's Almanac real, is actually the one that that was okay. predicting a harsh winter as well. I think okay. it, it actually kind science. of came from yeah. mm-hmm. farmers now. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't Ben Franklin start that? Yep. If I remember. You know, farmer's I don't Almanac. know who actually originated the Farmer's Almanac. Okay. I know he used it. <laughs> he may have started it. You know, I think that's a purely American thing, but it's very accurate. And so, but yes, what does a harsh is. winter mean? You know, in terms of, in fact, we were talking about this earlier with Bill and, and Pianchi that, uh, you know, people are, are reporting, oh, no, it's an incredibly hot summer, you know, when we're in, in, in Australia, you know, when we're in the winter, you know, and I've lived in, through Australian summers. Right. It's weird how a white Christmas down there is on a white sandy beach because it's, you know, it's the hot December 25th is generally the hottest day of the year because December 21st is, is the longest day of the year in Australia. The longest, yeah. Yeah, because everything reverses exactly. down there. So if the world, you know, is split between night and day, day is hot, night is cool, and the northern hemisphere mm-hmm. is hot and the southern hemisphere is cool, and then they reverse themselves, you know, so, so mm-hmm. the climate change, the climate is always changing depending on where you are, but there's natural cycles of, right. of cold and, and hot. And so to say that, you know, that this is kind of weird or stranger somehow, some years are colder. They can't, they, this, this, this thing that fascinates me, this big prediction they make. So, well, because of the climate change that we're telling you about, that only just happened, we only just discovered it a few years ago, is responsible for every variation um, in the planet from years of some storms to no storms to more storms. The, the, they blame everything on this one thing. It's just, it's, it's absurd. And yet people are falling for it. Oh, it must be climate change. Right. Wow. Yeah. We're going to get more course. storms because of climate change. Of no, you're going to get more storms because the yeah. conditions are right. Well, do you remember back in the 90s? when the terms were first introduced of, oh, we're mm-hmm. going to have a, a, a weirder than average summer or stranger amount of precipitation in the winter because of El Nino and La Nina. Do you remember those when that real. concept was first introduced? No, those are re- those no, are no, no. Real I know real. that they're yeah. real. I'm saying right. that they were never really talked about prior to the 90s. Like when you went to school and you learned about weather, I remember uh-huh. environmental science. We did not right. learn about El Nino and La Nina impacting weather patterns. It was all about you're learning about your cumulus and your stratus and your cirrus clouds. You're learning about condensation and precipitation. You're not learning about weather patterns and the jet stream and all of that. So when they first came up with the terminology for, for that weather system being a thing, 
It uh-huh. seemed to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed to me it was right about the same time that the whole concept of climate change, global warning, warming, excuse me, came together. Think about no, it. No, I don't think so. Uh, I'll, I'll, tell when, you, I'll tell you why. Because I'm older. Go ahead. <laughs> I remember back in the 70s. Uh, in fact, I, I post several times this uh, YouTube video of Leonard Nimoy shortly after the Star Trek series concluded prematurely, um, talking about the, the global winter that's coming. And he, uh, he takes a picture of this whiteout, this, this tundra whiteout, and all he sees is this massive blizzard. He's like, this could happen to your town in okay. Tampa, Florida, you know, anytime. I'm like, what are you talking about, you stupid moron? You know, go back to Star Trek. At least you were interested mm-hmm. to watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, but it was global cooling. Uh, and so this, the, if you look up the science of this, it's really quite interesting that global cooling was the big thing because there's always an apocalypse. There's always a, you know, doom and Mm-hmm. Coming. There's always someone that says the world's going to end unless you, right. you know, adopt communism, right? This is, this is it's right. communism is behind it. You give up your house, you give up your car, give up your independence, give up your travel, give up your guns, and all of a sudden, you know, the days will be more moderate in temperature. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's yeah. what they're saying. That's, that's what they're trying to convince you of, that if you do what they say, that through legislation and political change, we can actually change the weather. That's impossible. No, I understand yet, that. Yeah, I understand that. But mm-hmm. it's but the global cooling that you're talking about transitioned around the time that I'm saying it was actually 1988. Global warming became the new term where they were talking okay. about the depletion of the ozone layer. And I remember them saying, stop using aerosol hairsprays. We're killing the ozone. That was 1988. And it was around the same time that they started talking about now we're really having a lot of increased activity with El Nino and La Nina. It's, it's okay. like, no, I remember I was, <laughs> I was listening no, I, and I'm, sure I'm yeah. just fascinated no, with how it transitioned from the global cooling to the warming. Yeah. I got in California. But you know, uh, um, with the El Nino and La Nina, because it happened right off our coast, that's explaining our, our years of incredible yeah. rainfall. Yeah, go ahead, Bianchi. You know, with the deployment of satellites, they are able to observe jet stream and other weather patterns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were talking in the last hour about the Earth rotation is slowing down. It naturally does about every 30 years, according to some scientists. But when you build these huge construction projects like the the, the Three Gorges Dam in China, what you're doing is increasing in the moment of inertia, like an ice skater, when they spin it, when the arm is out, it slows down. When it brings the arm closer to the body, they speed up, and the earth is slowing down. And, it's, and when it slows down, it's like a rotisserie. It's exposed to the sun slower than what it was before. The earth spins about a 1,000 miles an hour. Now, is it speeding up again? So, is this a cycle, or is this a permanent slowing that's always been going on? It's going down. It slows down. It's twenty-four. It, we have 24 hours a day, right? So you're right. And the Earth's circumference is about 25,000 miles. So mm-hmm. you got to divide that by 24 hours, and that tells you uh, how many miles per hour that the Earth is spinning. And so do our clocks have to change? When to you slow it down... Change? When you slow right. it down, you throw them more of the earth. It bulges out at the center, right? And the more it bulges out at the center, it gets closer to the sun. So it's going to heat up. And those, you know, those air currents that develop in, like in the African continent and around the equator is what's called those convections of hot air to start moving around. So okay, so wait a minute. So if the Earth is slowing down, hang on, this is interesting, because if the Earth is slowing down, that means our days are getting longer, because the Earth rotates once Correct. in 24 hours. So are our days getting longer? Correct. 
How yes, we, how they are, by like 1.7 milliseconds. Per day, <laughs> yeah, per them. year, per what? Uh, since per basically when I looked at it, the atomic clocks are just saying that the modern day is longer by 1.7 milliseconds than a century ago. So you're talking over the course of 100 years, it's now 1.7 milliseconds longer. It's very minimal. So, that's a, so a millisecond is a thousandth of a second. No. Oh, correct. Oh, yeah. Jonathan? I was going to ask, what exactly is a millisecond just for the audience? Yeah. One one thousandth of a second. So we're talking about... Yeah. So 1.7... A millisecond is a thousandth of a second. It's 0.06 or something like that. Yeah. So that's that's a, that's not very much, but in the grand scheme of things, with, with the billions of the year old Earth. So how fast was the Earth originally spinning? Ooh, there's a question. Who knows? Well, know. it was spinning. Well, it, it goes to the. It, it still uses that formula. You have to take the circumference of the Earth and divide it by twenty-four. Now, if the circumference of the Earth increases, in other words, it bulges out at the equator. Uh-huh. Well, now you using different numbers. You're well, taking a large number and divide it by 24. So right. the earth is slowing down. It's just like a rotisserie. You ever cook on a rotisserie? It's turned at a certain speed, and you can time how long it takes the meat to cook. Well, if you slow it down, what happens? The meat cooks faster because it's exposed to the heat and heat longer than it would if it was turning faster. It's okay to, t- it's okay to touch the hot stove real fast, but if you slow your movement down and let your skin stay in contact it longer, it's going to burn more. Okay. Well, we the only, to, the only argument I would have against that. Go ahead, Bonnie. I was just going to say it's such a gradual process. Um, I just looked at something really quick, and it's basically stating that in the past 2,740 years, the Earth's spin has slowed by about six hours. So basically billions of years ago, our day was only about – 19 hours instead of 24, roughly, according to this. And, and that's it, it just is. based on their quote-unquote science. But that's like so many years. Even in 2,740 years, there's no explanation as to why if it's happened in that amount of time, we've gotten an additional six hours of daylight, why all of a sudden the alarmists are coming out and saying, we have to stop now or our Earth is going to be destroyed in 10 years. It's not speeding up that fast, the destruction of everything that they claim. Yeah, yeah, but the thing you got to take into account there, a billion years ago, the sun's diameter was smaller than what it is now. As it expands this helium fuel at its core, it expands and gets closer and closer, and it's it's, it's out of dimension. So at some point in the future, the sun is going to encompass, like, for instance, Mars. Now, People say, oh, that's a billion years from now. But the logical explanation is it's closer today than it was 500 years ago. So you're closer to the sun's heat today than you were 500 years ago. Another 500, you're going to be closer yet. At some point in time, human life will be, uh, the oceans will evaporate and human life will be gone. Are you trying to write my day or something? (laughs) No, that's it's just plain I don't think you have to worry, Greg. We'll, we'll be long gone by then. Well, and this is this is what's interesting, you know, especially if you get these. I remember watching one of the Doctor Who episodes from, you know, like 100,000 years in the future, and people were, you know, I guess, you know, I don't know what the way they're some strange form. It is quite fascinating. Uh, Marco says from the Netherlands, he says, yes, when I woke up this morning, I thought I could use 1.6 milliseconds more sleep. So, uh, 
Marcos are right with us. No, I mean, <laughs> not to, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in other words, of, of, of all the things I have to worry about today, and there are plenty, um, this, you know, I'm, we're, I'm just trying for our freedom, you know, and so in the, in the however many years I have, you know, before uh, I'm done, this is, there's certain things I want to accomplish, yeah. and worrying about, you know, it's, it's interesting to note, but quite frankly, if I can leave behind a legacy of freedom, I'll feel pretty happy. You know, if we can make, if I can leave this a freer country with all of you, then the way we found it and the way it's going right now, that'll be a huge accomplishment. Maybe they'll look back on us, you know, when the earth slows down, you know, 30 seconds uh, and say, wow, gee, it was an interesting time well, back you then. Know, and they, uh, you know, they almost lost their freedom. Yeah. You know, another thing, too, mm-hmm. these human beings will undergo psychological and physical effects. They're mm-hmm. going to change. Because your environment is changing. I mean, we are a product of our environment. Uh, people at the equator are a little shorter than those up at the polar region. Uh, you stand on a bathroom scale on the equator, you're going to weigh more than you would if you stood on a scale at the, you know, in Nova Scotia. So mm-hmm. physiological changes is going to cause, a physiological, uh, climatic changes, environmental changes are going to cause you to change physically. And good gracious, you can't surely deny that people ain't acting crazy today. Come on. Well, that's actually a really good point. Let's talk about that and, and because I think it's fascinating. And the question is, is it environmental or political or both? You know, what's causing this? But we've had crazy times before. You know, the Roaring Twenties, you know, was like the big party, um, thanks to Calvin Coolidge and his great economic plan. But basically, people went nuts. And then, of course, with Prohibition, they went nuts again. And they said to the government, screw you, we're drinking. You know, mass, mass... Uh, um, rebellion, you know, against the policy. It's funny what people won't rebel against. They won't rebel against inflation. They will re- rebel against uh, prohibition. Um, but these, no, and these are definitely crazy times. I mean, there's a lack of respect for authority of all kinds. You know, your neighborhood police officer, you know, when we were kids, you know, they, they, were, they were the authority. They, they said, you know, stay on the curb. You know, now, of course, police get attacked, you know, for wearing a uniform. Um, so these are very different times. But is it political or environmental or both? It's an interesting question. And why are we tolerating this kind of nonsense? You know, why do we tolerate the, the protests, the Antifa Black Lives Matter protests? Why do we tolerate, this is what I'll talk to Christina Bob about when she joins us in about half an hour. Why are we tolerating a coup? Why do people even say President Biden, knowing full well there is no such thing? There is no such title. There is no, no such person as President Biden. There is Joe Biden, who is occupying the White House illegally, but there is no President Biden, and we all know it. But, to, but people say it. Like it's somehow a thing. Like if they don't say it, you know, then, uh, then they're looked upon as weird. But I look upon them as weird for saying it, knowing full well that the election was stolen. And the people that know it was stolen the most are the Democrats because they're the ones that stole it. So this idea, this fantasy that's going on, that this election wasn't stolen. You want to talk about blinders. You want to talk about a, a misperception and people are focusing on everything and anything else. Oh, Joe Biden caused inflation. He can't cause anything. He's not even supposed to be there. That's the fundamental problem. We don't even get to the basics. The most basic problem is our country has gone through what all other countries go through at some point in time, a coup d'etat, where your government is stolen. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at, uh, you know, Lenin, Mao, uh, Hitler, uh, Mussolini, and now Biden. Every one of them, well, of course, a lot of them are Democratic elected. I mean, the the weird part is that Mussolini and uh, I think Hitler were actually elected. You know, and I don't know if it's a free and fair election, but uh, they, you know, but look at Biden. We know that election was stolen. We know it's a, it's a crock. It's a myth. It's not happening. So you want to talk about mass denial? That is far more, uh, I think, important and, and it affects than what's going on. You know, the weather, as much as the weather, it is interesting. 
But, uh, but Greg, I don't think it, yes, Jonathan. So, so, so how, how, how can you be thinking about, you know, ballots when we're all going to die? I mean, like, right? you know, is like, don't pay, yeah, don't pay any attention to those, that election, you know, election data, because, you know, you know, you have to scream, you know, run back and forth screaming that we're all dying and, you know, the children are going to die in 12 years and, you know, so so we don't have time to think about things like whether the election was stolen. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a good point. If we're all going to die in you know so many years, how come the the, the elites aren't making plans? <laughs> you know, they're, they're thinking world government, they're thinking down the line. You know, we're all going to be eating bugs. Why, why, how come you guys aren't packing up and having a vacation? If we're all going to die in a few years, I mean, why aren't they at Acapulco watching the cliff divers? You know, why aren't they? Having, that's something you, know, you don't want to tell humans kind when they're going to die because the closer and closer they get, the crazier and crazier they act. They'll be trying to hide in holes in the ground and everything else. <laughs> Which gets back to what you talk about Biden with, with the apocalypse. You know, yeah, the okay. Biden economy, inflation, uh-huh. and what it has done. Now, yeah. the counter inflation, they're doing what? Raising interest rates. That means that you're going to be paying more for your credit card debt, which you had to do because of. You know, you yeah, you weren't making money. money. Yeah, your salary wasn't coming. Well, they robbed you again. Yeah. Okay. Now here's all right. So let's talk about that. This is really interesting. This is another uh, Christina Bob point um, that I'd like to make. We have and have had for over a year now a constitutional amendment that would prevent Congress from borrowing any more money. That would end inflation. Mm-hmm. That would cause deflation. That would basically that also eliminates the Fed. You know, because there's a provision in there calling for no central bank. You know, what this bill would do is unbelievable. Lots of people know about it because I've sent it out in press releases and I've been uh, publicized for over a year. And yet there's an incredible lack of excitement. In fact, most people don't even notice, know about it or are saying anything about it. And yet there it is. So why? Why do we live in a society where the solutions we've already provided, you know, is it is it too simple? Do people just think, oh, that can't be that easy when it is that easy? So the crazy people are the ones that aren't going along with this. The crazy ones are the ones that are saying, you know, this can't happen. But of course it can happen. All it takes is two-thirds of the Congress and three-quarters of the states to end inflation mm-hmm. forever. Well, until it's amended. Why is that such a hard concept? It's a great question. I don't know why it's such a hard concept for people to grasp unless they're just not paying attention to that aspect. They're too distracted with global warming to care about that. I don't know. Right. I- John, I mean, I, really I, don't important. I don't know what this has to do with global warming, but you understand that there is a there is an embedded um, industry in in fooling people into think that that government spending money, you know, can make the can make the country better. It's literally like the old joke about holding yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, floating in midair is so so. It, I mean. What you're saying, Greg, we'd be a lot closer if there was some kind of consensus of the obvious. It's like there's a tree. Like, no, that's not a tree. That's a, a statue of a tree or something. You know, they, yeah. they, um, <clears throat> there's, there's a built-in scam for more, more, more federal spending. And people, right. people, I mean, if you go back and read some of the things in the 1930s from the FDR administration where they spent all this money, and by the end, in congressional hearings, uh, FDR's treasurer says it didn't work. You know, we spent all this money, and mm-hmm. yes, they got out of the Great Depression, but not you know, because it, they spent it money, doesn't though. work. No, we got out of the depression because of the war. 
Well, not really. Right. I mean, that, but it, 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 initially, yeah, uh, anytime you spend Keynesian economics works until it doesn't work. In other words, <laughs> excuse me, you flood the economy with money. Yeah, you're going to have more production and more things being spent. But by doing that, you've, you're, you've set yourself up for the next round of inflation. All the inflation, I mean, Vietnam spent a ton of money and it caused the, all the economic problems, you know, the Nixon Carter era. That's how we got Reagan. You know, you look at all the, the massive amount. Anytime you have massive amounts of spending, temporarily it's a boost. But overall, it causes far more problems. Let me, let me read this constitutional amendment. Let me show you how simple this is. And this is, this is my, my fascination and frustration with Action Radio. Uh, it says, Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution shall be amended by striking Clause 2 to borrow money on the credit of the United States. So if you know Article 8, Article 1, Section 8, those are the delegated powers. That's where Congress can spend money. That's where Congress you know, is empowered to do stuff uh, where they have you know, all legislative responsibility from the beginning of Article 1. So you remove that sentence, to borrow money on the credit of the United States, they can't borrow money on the credit of the United States. And they probably float their own little bonds or things like that, but they can't use the United States to borrow money. That is a massive change, <coughs> excuse me again, of monumental proportions. Now, here's the second sentence. Section 8, Clause 1, shall be amended by adding at the end, and Congress shall have no power to borrow money on the credit of the United States. First part. Second, nor to print money to cover expenses. That gets rid of inflation nor authorize the purchase or holding of securities. So they can't hold securities and borrow against it to, to print more money, right? Nor to authorize or permit any central bank. Well, that gets rid of the Fed. Nor to allow any control of money beyond Congress. So Congress sets the monetary policy. So in three lines, I've literally guaranteed our prosperity as a nation and eliminated the national debt in about 30 to 40 years. That's what Derek, uh, Derek Park, our financial person, figures. There's a solution. You want an economic solution? There it is right there. I just wrote it a year ago, May 21st, mm-hmm. 2022. That is the easiest concept we have to understand. If you stop Congress from borrowing money, we have economic prosperity and you have deflation, which means instead of the 2 to 3% to 5% to 10% of the value of our money flowing to the Fed and to the central banks and the government – it flows back to us. If you have 5% deflation, that means our money is worth 5% more every year. That means prices can drop 5%. It's the exact opposite of inflation. Deflation is a way out of this. So here's Jonathan, a question for you, because they always yeah. put the scare tactic out there immediately uh-huh. when they are about to increase the budget in telling uh-huh. the American people on every media outlet, they're saying, if we do not raise the debt ceiling, our government will shut down. That's the, the That's fear that they put out there every single time. That's a lie. We have a deadline. So my, right. So my question to you is, if you were to try and explain to the American people on a layman's terms, what would the immediate impact be if that debt ceiling did not get raised at that moment? What would that tomorrow look like? We well, don't have to raise the debt ceiling. The only reason they're saying that is because they've already spent more money than the debt ceiling allows. You know, it's like if you have a $1,000 yeah, credit limit and you spend – hold on, hold on. If you have a $1,000 credit limit and you spend $1,200 and you say – you have to collect credit limit to cover my obligations. No, you idiot. You spent $200 more than your credit limit. See, they don't allow you to do that. Mm-hmm. So the national debt works the same way. So it's very simple. So what you say is Congress will cut spending below the debt limit, and they don't have to raise it. That's how you explain it. Pianchi. Right, but where do you, where do you cut? To explain to well, the American to people Congress. that this there's, country there's is not no, immediately going to shut down, where do you well, cut? Let's, let's get Jonathan. Jonathan, how many areas can you think that we could cut our budget? If we simply audited the federal government, we could probably find, you know, a trillion dollars right there in fraud and duplication. Well, I mean, okay, do you, I have to ask, do you mean in the real world or in the media um, echo chamber of uh, unreality? Real world budget. 
real because you I'm sure you studied the actual federal budget, federal budget. I used to work in the Department of Education, including mm-hmm. in the budgeting area of one of the things. And I would estimate that if if you if you let go if you cut the budget by twenty five percent, including the people, um, you'd never notice except in the screaming headlines in the Washington Post. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so so there's a couple of things. One, there's Schedule F that Trump wants to bring in, which which takes a whole lot of people out of civil service protection. That'd be a good thing. Uh, I would say that you could get rid of several departments that aren't authorized by the Constitution: uh, the FBI, the DEA, the uh, the ATF, the Department of Education, Department of Energy, the EPA, and there's a bunch of other agencies that don't need to exist. So you could literally cut entire departments from the federal government. Let the states do their job because they always they already have duplicate agencies have an OSHA, states have an EPA, you know, states have an attorney general, states have all these things already. And they have the, the, the limited, the, the delegated power to do that, you know, from, and the federal government doesn't. So there's one place you could cut. Uh, you, you privatize Social Security, which is going to have to be done. At a certain point, you're going to say, this generation of, of Americans is going to have, say, like, like Chile does. Take 10% of your money, put it in a private account, and you get it when you're 65. Okay? Everybody's going to be guaranteed a whole lot of money that way especially if we stop Congress from borrowing. So that's the next thing you do. Uh, as far as Medicare, you know, if we stop spending all the money and stop borrowing it, uh, the trillions of dollars, there'd be plenty of money to have some kind of guaranteed health insurance. Um, like, uh, like school choice, you'd have health choice. So the answers are pretty simple. If you want, I'll put together a plan. Uh, in fact, that wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, mm-hmm. that we actually would, I think that would, would be write, a great idea. write our own budget. Yeah, I wouldn't mind writing our own budget. I think we should do something like that. Jonathan, is there anything that's, uh, uh, I'm not talking about uh, what people want or perceive that they can't have, but is there anything that I've described that, that physically cannot be done because the, the country will collapse? Uh, well, that's a loaded term. The country will collapse. Okay, well, I just made it up. I mean, I'm, I'm on live radio. You know, I see what comes into my head. I don't think these things through. <laughs> it just comes out. All right. But is there anything that's impossible? Is it impossible to privatize Social Security? Is it impossible to cut the, uh, the departments that are not authorized by the Constitution and send them back to the states? Is it impossible to give the states back all their land, especially out in the West, because it's not federal land anyway? Uh, is it impossible to do any of the things that I've talked about, to have some kind of to, – to stop borrowing money and then take uh, some of the excess and have uh, you know, some kind of a guaranteed uh, health choice plan for people of low income? So they don't have to die because they can't afford health insurance. There's a lot of things we could do, and that you wouldn't need Medicare then. Everybody would have uh, well, some kind of thing, bring competition before in. you privatize Social Security. Uh-huh. Some of the perks with Social Security need to be done away with, and all these th- the things are going to come to an end anyway, whether you want it or not. It's just going to come to an end. Right. Uh, I was reading so something we, that the tax preparation is going to be absolute because artificial intelligence will take over that, and the IRS knows what your numbers are anyway before you walk in there sometimes. So why don't we file a return? Well, there's another great thing. We don't have to file a return. They already know the answer. They're just seeing if we're honest. <laughs> Isn't that the purpose of a return now? Because they already know what's uh, what well, they don't made. Know what, they don't know what expenses you're going to try to claim, but they do know your gross mm-hmm. revenue. Right. You can ask for a transcript. In fact, Probably for the reasons you state, you should ask for a transcript before you file a return because oh, they'll tell you, you know, they already, they already, a transcript will tell them what they know you, your income was. Um, but of course, it could be, I mean, that's like 
that you could have income that wasn't reported but in, by somebody. But in any event, so the point being that, um, uh, you know, I love economists thinking about some of these things because it seems like some of the greatest philosophers of society are in the economic world. There's also a lot of scoundrels. <laughs> is that, you know, everything, everything is fixed, meaning it can't be changed in the short run. Nothing is fixed in the, you know, nothing is, you know, unchangeable in the medium term. And in the long run, we're all dead. So, you know, so. so like zero hedge. Know, Did you get that from zero hedge? No, I got that dead. from the University of Florida in the 1980s. Okay. Um, so the, so the, um, you know, so the thing is, is that in the short run, making massive changes is so difficult that it may as well be impossible. But right. over the medium term, there is nothing that you can't change. And okay. and so, you know, and then the the sentence come the phrase comes to mind as well that um, if you believe you can't do something, you're right. Um, now you talk about getting rid of the federal lands. Why not sell the federal lands? And retire the deficit. Well, because the, the the federal government doesn't own that land by constitution. Well, I know uh, it belongs to the state. They don't think so. What? And that would be that federal lands belong to the states, and the states are charging for others to use that land, whereas that money should go to the state. That's by leaving the residents of the state with these tax burdens. Right. That's what the whole Clive and Bundy thing was all about. Although nobody, mm-hmm. you know, if you read the newspaper, you wouldn't know. Oh, we had the, um, we had so the attorney agree. on. We had so, Roger Roots. We, we had the, we right. had the source. So the thing is, is, <coughs> is that we then, of course, so anyway, so uh, um, I, you know, I, I know we were talking about global warming and this is going to destroy our economy. You know, the, the meme on Facebook, you know, why doesn't China care about global warming? And this older guy says, because they've already got a communist government. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. why would That's they care about it. global warming? They're, they're already yeah. communists. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> I mean, this is a, this is a, uh, uh, and again, this, this, you know, so, so to paraphrase the economists, you say, is it possible to do something? Well, do you have a spine or don't you? You know, if you don't have a, if you're a squid like most Republicans, then no, you can't do it. You know, if you're a man, you could do it. You know, if you're John Wayne, you could get it done. Um, so, um, you know, so the thing is, is that we have allowed. I mean, the biggest problem with global warming is that all the people who who should have stood up and said no over the last 40, 50 years, you know, just said, well, let's just, you know, the, the, it, this phase will pass. You know, the children. You know, my my daughter has flaming purple hair, and but she'll get over it. You know, and so global warming. You know, all you have government. Look, the problem is, is that you have government reports where lower level people have have admitted what isn't true. All this stuff. So they go into court. The government's already admitted it all. You can't fight it because because we were a piece because this you know we're the same. The same, you know, businesses, they wanted to make everybody happy. Um, you know, the politicians wanted to make everybody happy. So, so they didn't fight this stuff. And then they're afraid that, you know, like, well, are you a scientist? Well, you know, um, so, uh, so this is going to destroy our economy as, along with everything else. 
I just had that's fascinating, Jonathan. I just had a discussion with someone on my Facebook page. You should go to our Action Radio Environmental Action Project. So this guy comes on and wants to make a comment uh, about how he's the interface between government uh, and industry to uh, reverse climate change. And I had to post it. And I don't know if you've seen it, but we've been going back and we've been going back and forth like crazy. And the guy says, I'm unbalanced. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yada, yada. He says, are you a scientist? So, of course, I said, yes, I am. He says, well, obviously you're not because you're saying this, this, and this. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I, but people get that all the time. Unless it's the cult of the expert. Unless you're an expert that they recognize. In other words, an expert that says the things that they want to hear, you're not an expert. You know, we have doctors who are experts in hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. I mean, Dr. Zelenko, a friend of mine. You know, he cured thousands of people, and yet he was not a recognized authority, but uh, Dr. Fascist, who killed a million with remdesivir ventilators and everything else, he's the expert. So this cult of the expert is one of the biggest problems we have to get over. And as someone said, uh, oh, I think I was talking to Pianchi uh, either yesterday or the day before, talking about, well, you know, are you an expert? Are you this or that? Uh, as opposed we get. And I said, my standard line is, you know, I'm not a meteorologist, but I know when it's raining. You know, so the question is, because you, you don't have to have a degree in something. Well, Bonnie, you're in media. If everybody, if you had to have mm-hmm. a degree in everything that you asked a person a question of, how many degrees would you have? I'd have like 30 at least. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd have to have at least that many. Yeah. At least that many, if not 50. So it's a, it's a bogus point. You know, I write legislation, yeah. but I'm not a lawyer. I talk about economics, and I've written a bill, you know, limiting probably one of the, the strongest economic bills written maybe in our history, to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. Yet I'm not an economist. Well, I have a bachelor's in it, but that's beside the point. You know, I mean, all the things that we do. So the idea of being an expert, you know, an expert is not somebody who's right. An expert is someone who has a degree that somebody else approves of. That's not a definition of an expert. Mm-hmm. Panel? No, I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, you- I, it's kind of like, go ahead, Pianchi. No, he's right. Uh, see, climate change is bringing new, different industry, uh, like, for instance, electricity is going to compete with oil. Well, a politician always, you always ask a politician, what have you done for me lately? And they say, well, I've done this. Okay, well, I would donate to you. Well, when you go out and create more donors by creating more industries and, and subsidizing industry, so what will they do for you in the future, politician? I will donate to you. Mm-hmm. We have a bill. Um, I said, let me sort of introduce the concept of it right now. It, it distinguishes between free speech and commerce. So in other words, the Supreme Court said that uh, political donations are free speech. And I would agree that if a private person gives $25, $50, $100, whatever the limit is to a campaign, so their candidate can have more access to media and things like that, that's free speech. Got no problem. However, if you're a corporation, and this bill is out there, we haven't really talked about it a whole lot. I wrote it a couple, two or three years ago. It says if you're a corporation donating to either a party or a candidate expecting a bigger return than the investment you're making in them with your so-called donation, you're engaging in commerce, and that can be regulated. That is not free speech. That is business. What do you all think of that? Well, that's why come Burisma was wanting to buy Joe Biden so they could open up companies here in the United States without having any government what? Influence. In what way? Regulation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A hard time to go. It's something that you can't do in their country. You got to pay somebody off, or even they can come in and take your business, your house, and probably your kids. 
So that's how that stuff works. It's always that boomerang effect and the money. Money goes to Ukraine, boomerangs back around to the back door and comes into some politicians' coffers through donations, campaign contributions, which they can use any way, however they want to. So then politics itself is a business. They're engaging in the commerce of politics. Can we use that to regulate? Yeah, I would. Bonnie? I agree with that. I, I do believe politics has become a commerce. Should we be able to regulate them? Absolutely. We should be able to regulate it the same way that we're regulating banking transactions because that's all that's going on. Someone's pockets are getting lined with contributions from someone else. There should be income on that that should be taxed, and they should be subject to the same IRS regulations that the middle-class American is. Let's see how they like it. You're absolutely right, Bonnie. You know how you regulate them the most obvious way? Term limits. Yeah, we've got term limits. Oh, absolutely. People still have to vote. Uh, you, you can just trade one, one globalist politician for another. Uh, I would say that you have to regulate, get rid of parties uh, before I do that, because the parties are selecting the people we vote for. We don't have an election. We have a, a selection based on what other people have selected for us. They predetermined. Right. When's the last time you, when, the, the last person that, that ran for office that uh, was not preselected by the parties was Donald Trump. The person before that was Ronald Reagan. You know, two of our, our, our better presidents, well, Trump being best. Reagan, I'm not as big a fan. But the reason they, they were so successful was because they were independent. They were not selected by the party. They were not a globalist. You look at all the globalists that are lining up for the debate um, versus Trump. They're all, gonna, they're all, all being paid by the, the globalists to, to uh, you know, beat on Trump. Let me get Jonathan's opinion. How much of, uh, as we were talking about this before, how much of politics is business? How, how, how ingrained in our economy uh, is this massive, not just the military industrial complex, but the political industrial complex? I mean, the whole federal well, budget not, really is a business. I mean, we, we, can't say that it's, we can't say that it's supposed to be that way, but no, it's become that, that way, as Bonnie said. Okay. Right. I mean, it's, it's all – I mean, that's, that's – uh, well, it's so many different things. But that's part of the, the massive resistance to Trump, which was true of the Tea Party, which is true of Ross Perot, which is true of the Reagan mm-hmm. Revolution. It's not just about Trump. It's this, it's this feeling that the American people, especially the conservative voters, are trying to assert themselves. And the business of politics, is, as you're putting it, is, is trying to dominate. You know, we've got this huge battle between the people who, who think that it's their business and who the hell are we? And, mm-hmm. and the people who think that you know, voter, you know, the, the sh- like what did Ross Perot used to say that, <clears throat> you know, and he's not the only one is that, you know, we're the shareholders, the voters own the country and mm-hmm. the, and the corrupt politicians think, no, they own, they own it. They truly do. Well, they get arrogant when they're history. in office knowing that they can't be voted out. I mean, look at Pelosi, who's been there longer than, mm-hmm. you know, God created the earth. Anybody who's gotten in there and stays forever is just going to keep doing what they want to do, and it doesn't matter. Their district be damned. They do not care about the voters in their district because they know they're going to go ahead and win another term on their own terms. They're going to get it come hell or high water. So they do what they want. And, Jonathan, that's why January 6th, what they're doing is putting striking fear in the people 
how dare you challenge us? How dare you do that? You don't do it again here. Mm -hmm. And people in the future are going to say, well, look what happened to them. They was put in jail. Some of them was there to rot. So they're striking fear so you don't challenge them, don't change them. And that has to be done. If not, it will be nothing left. Yeah, that's fascinating. I'm you guys go. You're doing a great job. So, uh, yeah. Or not. <laughs> I'm checking emails. I'm, I'm checking my next guest. I'm, I'm doing like administrative stuff here, so don't mind me. Okay. Yeah, but that, no, I mean, that, that, that's it. That's it. That, that, uh, I think you know, it is. It's well said. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's interesting when we. we Part of this, the interesting part about this is knowing when we settled an issue. I was just looking up. I'm going to post that bill on. on uh, bring it up here real quick for you guys to uh, think about the the campaign speech versus commerce contribution clarification act, written December 14th of 2017. That's how far back though. That's that bill's six years old. Just to let you know, there's a lot. Of, most of the bills that I wrote were done in the first couple of years because that's when I had WBY uh, and I had time. <laughs> you know, I wasn't uh, you know, working a full-time job and doing a radio show uh, like what happened afterwards. Um, but uh, so a lot of the bills come from 2017, 2018. Uh, they're still good ideas. We just haven't really talked about them surface for a while. Bonnie, you got something else um, before we, we have our, our guest of honor here? Um, I don't have anything in depth except one of the things I did want to bring up last week because it was more pertinent date-wise range was the fact that um, Pee Wee Herman died, and I never got to make that point because I swear to you, Pete Buttigieg is, is the doppelganger for him. And when Pee Wee <laughs> Herman died, I just had humorous thoughts go through my mind. Like, can you even imagine what's on his tombstone? He's probably like, here lies the doppelganger of Pete Buttigieg. Pee Wee's not really dead. He's still in office. <laughs> and I just, you know, wanted your thoughts on that. Well, let me tell you what's fascinating. First of all, Christina Bob's here, so I'm going to go right to her. But secondly, we've had the most amazing discussion of climate change, of politics, of, of taking away the power of Congress mm-hmm. to borrow money. And the one minute yeah. that Christina Bob calls, we're talking about Pee Wee Herman. That's yeah. I had to bring that up. You did. No, it's fine. That's okay. Let me get. To, <laughs> let me let me let me reorient myself here, and uh, just do a couple of quick things here. Push a couple of buttons, and introduce our guest of the day, and I'll bring her on live. And where is it? She surprised me a couple of minutes early, which is good. Here we go. Our guest of the day, Christina Bob. So I have a little bio here. Christina Bob, author of Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. She's an investigative reporter, attorney, and former correspondent with One American News. Christina began her legal career in the Marine Corps, serving as a defense counsel in court-martial and administrative separation hearings. That's going to be critical because I have uh, someone calling in about that. Uh, Served in multiple tours, including Afghanistan and Germany. Also, uh, after military service, positions in the Department of Homeland Security and currently serves as attorney for President Donald J. Trump. Let's welcome back to the show for the second time, Christina Bob. How are you doing? Hey, thank you. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We love having you on the show. So let's give you a round of applause. <laughs> and so I've, I've sent you the link to the show so you'll be able to uh, check this amazing discussion we had. <laughs> we'll get back to Pee Wee Herman another day. But I've got so much to ask you. So I let's was start with nervous, me. honestly. I heard you talk about Pee Wee Herman, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I have nothing to add. I don't know if <laughs> Well, like I said, there's anything you want to talk about is fair game uh, here on the show, and I've got a few things to add as well. We can go back to that. First things first, though, tell me about the book. What's going on? And my big question, can you stop the steal again? That's really what we're all concerned about. So where's the yeah. book now? What's happening and what's going on? 
Yeah, so the book's out. It's been out for a few months now. Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election, what it means for 2024. Um, it's funny. You know, when I put it out, I had no idea when or if Jack Smith was going to indict on January 6th, and I certainly didn't know his an indictment was going to be the four counts that it was with the facts that it was. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of crazy. I read through the indictment. I thought, oh, my gosh, my book is the answer to all of this. <laughs> Um, so you know, it was kind of fun to realize I was, I think I was ahead of the game a little bit, but, um, well, notwithstanding, that's a I don't good thing. think, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think that this January 6th case or any of them really are about justice or getting to the truth. I think it's about trying to stop their political opponent. So, um, you know, it, I, we've got facts and evidence and all that, but I think the game is probably going to be slightly different, but certainly everything in stealing your vote is front and center in the indictment. Do facts and evidence matter, or is it really, you know, if, if they, they want to put Donald Trump in jail, obviously, but even if they cost mm-hmm. him a ton of money, what is it, $40, $50 million so far? Yeah, you know, And lot. time away yeah. from rallies? It, it's like anything yeah. they can do to make your life miserable, um, they're going to do. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And I, I don't think their goal is to – put him in jail. I mean, you know, they're not going to lose sleep if they do. I think their goal is to keep him out of the White House. Okay. And if they do put him in jail, I think that gets overturned, like, immediately. Um, so I, I'm less concerned about him having any jail time and more concerned about the 2020 election. And to your earlier question, can we stop this deal for 2024? Yes, we mm-hmm. can, which is why they're doing this. If they had it rigged so tightly and so perfectly that mm-hmm. we didn't stand a chance, they wouldn't be doing all of this because they'd want it to look legitimate. They wouldn't want to okay. you know, out themselves as the Marxists that they are. So, yeah, we can. And, and we, I think, are doing great work through so many great Americans around the country that have stepped up to become part of the, the solution. So, yes, and I think the biggest hurdle to that is getting the president successfully through these, these cases. Yeah, because we can't wait. There's so many things that uh, I would love to see happen uh, in the next four years. Yeah. To me, it's a historic opportunity. Um, we're not talking about, mm-hmm. you know, just, just different policy changes. This is like a once in every hundred years, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity. This would be a time where we could take care of the Fed. We could, uh, you know, get out of the, mm-hmm. the United Nations. We could do amazing things. I'll talk to you about more about that later. Um, I want to get onto this um, this trial just for a bit, too, and see what the latest uh, strategies are. Something I wrote down right before the show. I wrote, the key for the deep state is maintaining the fantasy that Brandon won the 2020 election. Anything or anyone mm-hmm. who challenges that fantasy challenges the entire coup and therefore is a threat that must be destroyed. But there's one Achilles heel, and this is the Trump electors. Now, we talked about this the last time you we were here, the seven battleground states. They're still out there, and they're mm-hmm. trying to arrest them. Do you know any, any yeah. further evidence on what's going on with the Trump electors? Well, nothing that the electors did was illegal. Not only is it not illegal, it has been done in American history before. So uh, I think large, I think that's part of the reason why Jack Smith didn't bring the, the charges. You know, it's one thing to charge a political opponent who's as polarizing as Donald Trump is. It's another to bring mm-hmm. in the plumbers and the school teachers and everybody who, you know, they've done that a lot for the January 6th protesters, but those trials weren't front and center. Those trials were not what a Donald Trump trial was going to be, right? So Mm -hmm. um, I think they're trying to focus this solely on Donald Trump, jam this show trial through, pretend it's legitimate, and hope they can get a conviction and hope they can ruin his presidential race 
they're not going to be able to do that. Even if they did get a conviction, even if they did put him in jail, which, again, I don't think would happen or certainly wouldn't last for a particularly long time, mm-hmm. um, they, they're just hoping that they can derail his campaign. And quite honestly, if they do that, I think it just accelerates. I think he wins all 50 states if they do that. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's not the kind of country that anybody wants to live in. The only people who are okay with what's happening right now are the insane lunatics that don't know the difference between a man and a woman and have severe Trump derangement syndrome. I love having you on the show. I mean, just, just say it like it is. It's, it's really, uh, <laughs> uh, most of us kind of do that anyway, but it's just, it's really, uh, it's great to hear. Um, Thank you. For defense, though, and we've been talking about this on the show, I'm going to introduce you to a couple of folks in a minute, one of them, uh, Jonathan Mosley, who does our legal report, who's actually defending January 6th people. Um, but as a oh, defense, uh, oh, yeah, you, we, I got some surprises for you. This is going to be fun. Um, but as oh, a fine. defense, okay, okay good. <laughs> can, can Donald Trump and can you um, include all the evidence of the stolen election into the defense? Because it seems like they're saying, yeah. you know, he, he knew it wasn't stolen. And he's saying it is stolen, so that's fraud. But doesn't that open yeah. the door to you bringing in literally everything that we've learned about? Yeah, it does. And it's interesting okay. because the way they put it in the indictment is they don't even limit the time frame of knowledge about the election to, you know, November 3rd, the time frame between November 3rd and January 6th. They go into the Arizona audit. They go into 2000 mules. They go into the Michigan Senate hearing. All of that took place in 2021, like well mm-hmm. into 2021. So, okay, then let's talk about all of that. So, yes, uh, in in a normal legal setting, yes, that opens the door to everything. We should be able to put on all of the evidence that we were aware of at the time and refute the evidence in the indictment or refute the accusations in the indictment with evidence that have come out since January 6, 2021. Um, I suspect that Jack Smith uh, is going to try to exclude a lot of the evidence saying something to the effect of, oh, these cases were all brought in civil litigation and so none of this evidence should be considered. So. They're going to, I think they'll try to play games with the evidence, but, you know, there's a very big difference between a criminal trial and a civil trial and the right of the accused to put on a defense. So if they do try to exclude that evidence, um, obviously that's just one more issue on appeal. Jeff Smith knows this is not going to be upheld on appeal. Nothing about this is legitimate. He Mm -hmm. knows it's going to get overturned. He doesn't care. They're playing the short game knowing they're going to lose the long game but they hope that in the process of winning the short game, they can get Donald Trump out of the presidential race, keep him out of the White House. That's all they're trying to do. So, I mean, oh, we, we just, that's what we're right, fighting, me, right? All right, hold on, everybody. I want to introduce you individually here, so, so just mute yourselves for a bit. John, I want to bring in Jonathan Mosley. So Jonathan's our legal reporter. He's actually defended January 6th, folks. Jonathan, um, what's really going on well, now in the trenches with well, the, the defense is- of the, the folks? Go ahead. Well, I mean, every like I say, the the, ma- the main thing is the D.C. courts, the D.C. jury, the D.C. Uh, federal judges. So, um, you know, most of this, as I described, is like the Earth went through a tear in the universe, and we're in an alternate universe. You talk, you mentioned in a normal legal setting, and of course, unfortunately, we're not getting that. Um, but um, I, I would also comment that when and first, I say that the governing rule in the D.C. courts with January 6th is hypocrisy. You know, um, it's it's like rule one of is is we shall be hip, you know hypocrites um, about the about the rules. But the thing is, is that when they say no, you can't bring that in. I'm hoping that that will be as obvious to the American people. Oh, wait a minute, 
Exactly. You told us there wasn't any evidence, and now you're not going to let us see the evidence. Right. Right. I, I, that's my hope as well, because we have mountains of evidence that there were problems with the election, and more and more keep coming out. I don't know if you said the Gateway Pundit report that just came out. I talked to Jim Hoff about it a day or two ago, where there were police reports filed in October of 2020. The police went and searched uh, the premises that was reported of being an illegal ballot printing scheme. They went they have the evidence, they gathered, they gathered it, they wrote up the report, and then did nothing with it. And Gateway Pundit just, just obtained those police reports this week. So, and they, there were thousands and thousands of ballots, according to the police report, according to uh, this Gateway Pundit report. So every day that goes by, we're only getting more and more evidence that there were problems with the 2020 election. Um, but I, I think Ms. Morosley is exactly right that I, we need the American people to see it, which is another thing. I'd love to have cameras in the courtroom. Let's, let's let the American people see this. Is the Trump campaign interested in getting involved directly, or can you get involved in helping the January 6th defendants? Because to, to us, they're political prisoners. You know, there's right. no reason for this. Um, I, I don't know, honestly. I, I'm with Save America okay. at this point, so I don't know what the campaign is going to do. But you know, President Trump has been very vocal about his opinion with um, the January 6th prisoners, and I, yes, it's something that we all personally care very much about. I, I agree with your assessment that they're political prisoners, that they've been treated unfairly and all of that. But, mm-hmm. you know, as, as he said, we're in a tear in the universe, and we're in an alternate universe at the moment. So yeah. from my perspective, one of the best things we can do to help the January 6th prisoners is to get Donald Trump back in office. Let's yeah. set the world right side up again and, and take care of this. Something else, too, I'd like to see if the, if the Republican donors could work with the January 6th lawyers. Jonathan, isn't one of your biggest problems money, just defending these people? Oh, oh absolutely. Anybody who could just, like, retweet, uh, pick, pick your favorite uh, legal defense fund, whatever you like. And just if people would just retweet. <laughs> uh, a while ago, Ban- like a year ago, Steve Bannon said that they'd raised $100 million. And we're like, you know, our jaws hanging. So why would anyone give when? Um, but that's not true. We're, we're, you know, people would make more money at the McDonald's than the, than what the attorneys are, are able to eke out. And, I mean, these were people who weren't wealthy to begin with in most cases, and now they, their business, their jobs have been uh, has, have yep. been devastated. So, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to say somebody you have to give this legal defense fund or that one, but anything anybody can do um, would would make a huge difference. And we thought we we think we could have beat this back before it got to this point. But of course, um, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, Christina, you're welcome to talk to any of our folks here off the air and and follow up with that. Um, I have another surprise for you. And this is a friend of mine who I've got. Yeah. I I, I think you're really going to enjoy our show today. Um, This is my friend, (laughs) Catherine Arnett. Catherine Arnett is a fellow Marine. Uh, She's been, I think, court-martialed twice for refusing the COVID jab, uh, has been in jail. And I think is facing another prison term. I'm not sure the details. Catherine, why don't you introduce yourself to uh, Christina Bob? Welcome to the show again. Hi, Greg. Good to be back. Hi, Christina. Pleasure to meet you. This is Catherine. Hey. Yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm so sorry for your story. I, I believe it. Thank you for standing up for what you believe in. Absolutely. All by the grace of God. I look back at it and I'm like, yep, God was carrying me through that. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm looking at a federal trespassing uh, charge and court coming up here in uh, two-ish weeks, a little under two weeks, um, and potentially uh, six-month six, six month jail max 
for it, $500 fine. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's what the latest with the Marine Corps and my uh, story is. That's was, with the Marine Corps like, or is that a separate J6 issue? No, ma'am. No, no January 6th. Um, okay. That's a here. federal um, thing with the Marine Corps. But it was, what are they claiming you trespassed on? So basically, long story short, what happened, they got me on a bunch of trumped up charges in January of this year, right? January 23rd of this year. They put me mm-hmm. in the brig. I was stationed out in Japan and they put me mm-hmm. in the military prison out in Japan. And then on April 19th of this year, they flew me in military police custody from Okinawa to California, had me sit in the brig in San Diego, Miramar for another Mm -hmm. month. Then they released me on May 15th, and then they pulled the court-martial charges on June 5th and instead opted to administratively separate me because I was then in the States and they could justify putting me out on the streets Um, because they can't do that in the foreign countries per so status, right? Right. So on June 23rd. And this is all because you refused the COVID job? Yes, absolutely. It's all inextricably linked because I beat their first court martial and got it withdrawn. And they were pissed about that, of course. And so they were like, oh, we're going to get her on the back end somehow. You know, she stood up for herself. She can't do that. Um, so basically, I refused the vaccine, and I also refused to separate from active duty whenever they told me to separate for not getting the vaccine, solely for not getting the vaccine. So mine was kind of a double whammy because I, I refused to separate. Um, I didn't see those orders as lawful either because, you know, they stem from retaliation for not getting the vaccine. Right. Um Long story short, they had me stateside, and they gave me my end of active service to be June 23rd at 23.59 on West Coast time. And, you know, I was I was telling everybody, everybody knew how I was going to approach this. I'm like, look, I'm not willingly separating from active duty. Like, what's going to happen when, you know, I turn myself mm-hmm. in to the military police station on base? And they're like, well, we'll give you a federal trespassing charge. So I made it easy. I'm just like, look, I'm not going to make anyone, like, hunt for right. me or anything. I'm here. So at midnight on the 24th, I'm like, look, I'm here. I'm not willingly separating. Um and I had also written some paperwork to the commanding officers on the Miramar base. I'm like, look, mm-hmm. I don't have any due process. Um, I'm seeking asylum here in San Diego um, until, you know, things can be resolved, um, until an injunction, you know, can. And, and I knew that it wouldn't happen, but it, it's the fact that I submitted the paperwork, the paper trail, right? So at right. 4 a.m., they give me the trespassing charge, fingerprint me, put me in handcuffs in the back of the um cop car and they just dumped me at a gas station like a mile from the base so um, are you serious they they didn't even like have you find someone out in town that you could go stay with no 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 they're just like all right uh here's your trespassing charge get in the car Um, what oh yeah yeah it's that is bananas i've never heard anything like that yeah, it's not. They, they wanted to be done. Yeah, they wanted to be done with me and just sweep me. They wanted to sweep me under the rug because, you know, I'm still, I just did an interview with LifeSite Catholic News um, the other day, uh-huh. and it just came out yesterday. So I'm still speaking out about the abuse that they put myself wow. and other service members through. So. Since you have this, this pending charge, do you still have, like, your appointed counsel? No, so technically, since, 
you know, they said your end of active service date is June 23rd. On paper, to the Marine Corps, I'm no longer in. All right, I obviously don't agree with so that. So then how I do they have jurisdiction to continue to prosecute you? So they put me under federal jurisdiction. That was a federal trespassing charge. It's not a UCMJ uh, charge. Yeah. Okay, so just, you're, you're in federal court now, federal criminal court. Yes, that's correct. It's going to be downtown San Diego. Um, mm-hmm. I think there was some acronym that I can't recall off the top of my head, ma'am, but um, mm-hmm. maybe some uniformed presence will be there because it was on a military base. I can't, I can't right. totally quote them on that, but from what, my, what I was understanding, something like that may um, yeah, there's, there's be occurring. But it is a federal but it is yeah. federal charge. Hey, Catherine, yeah. let me just hold a little bit, because if you two want to talk off the air, we can do this. We only have Christina for a limited yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. And I want to let you for fully sure. expand on, on this story. But, but Christina, in general terms, there are military people. I mean, mm-hmm. Catherine doesn't want to leave the military. She still wants yeah. to serve her country. But you get a lot of folks who are forced out. Um, we've got a lot of uh, health problems with pilots. We have folks all the time, you know, we have a lot of military in this area that, that call in. So, yeah. so where do we go from here? How do we fix this, this mandate that never should have happened? The people that are separated, yeah. can we bring them back? Can they get legal representation, you know, for someone like Catherine? What yeah, can, what well, I be? think, I mean, the answer, I don't want to sound like a, a campaign poster, but the answer is Donald Trump. I mean, he has said he believes in reinstating everybody that was wrongfully discharged. And um, he he has heard many stories like Catherine's. I, I mean, he gets people calling him all the time saying, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't want to leave the military. I didn't want to get the COVID vaccine, all of that. So I think there's so much there's so much at stake at the, in this 2024 election which is why they're doing what they're doing they're pulling out all the stops but i think i think it gets corrected with trump in office i i hope so i mean the, no, the trajectory record, that we're on right. is not good you know and here's here's my problem too is that you've got the deep state uh, both democrats and republicans lining up against two people against donald trump <laughs> and against robert uh, kennedy yeah, those are the. Two. Yeah, I got a, I got an idea for you for this first debate. The question is, should Donald Trump debate? What if you, and it might even be you, you know, on One American News, held a discussion mm-hmm. with Robert Kennedy and Donald Trump as the non deep state candidates at the same time as that Republican debate yeah. is being held? What do you think? Oh, I think it'd be great. I, I think it'd be awesome. I think Robert F. Kennedy is the only true Democrat in the Democrat primaries. He's the only non. Mm-hmm administrative state, deep state, you know, establishment person in, in the Democrat Party, which is funny to me. He's a Kennedy. Like, his name is Kennedy. He's RFK Jr., and they're like, oh, he's not a real Democrat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's true. <laughs> that's I think you all yeah. left the Democrat Party, not the other way around. Yeah. Could you see him in a Trump administration as heading health and human services, for example, cleaning up the CDC, the FDA, the yeah, NIH, that whole bunch? Yeah, I Yes, I, I mean, and I have not talked to the president about this, but just my own personal mm-hmm. thoughts. I would love to mm-hmm. see him as the director of the CIA and let him clean oh. up there. I mean, they killed his father and his uncle. Let him clean it up. Like, if anybody's going to care motivation. about making sure that that, yeah, yeah. Give, it, give it to him. So that's just my yeah. own, you know, daydream. But, but yeah, okay. I mean, everything, I've got his book. I haven't, I haven't finished reading it yet, but his COVID book on Fauci, I mean, goodness, he he could be a special prosecutor on the COVID crime. You know, like he, there's so many places I think he would fit in into a Trump administration. That's fascinating because I have uh, friends uh, like uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits. Uh, Robert Kennedy wrote the forward to her book, Plandemic. So I could get you all connected mm-hmm. real fast. <laughs> so that would not be a problem. Yeah, that's great. Um, 
we were tossing around, and if you have something you want to bring up, please let me know. And I don't know how much time you have, but uh, I want to get one last thing. And we kind of were kicking around an idea earlier this week. It started off as a joke, but the more I think about it, the more this might be interesting, of having Donald Trump and the January 6th folks apply for political asylum in the United States from the U.S. occupation coup government. Yeah. Um, it, it's an interesting <laughs> idea, and unfortunately, the – the hypothesis makes sense because of all of the political persecution. I don't, I mean, I don't think in practical purposes, it would, it would, it wouldn't be anything more than making a statement. Right. I don't, because I don't good, good do point at a, at a rally. Okay. I want to go around our panel a little bit, but I've got uh, one, one bill to talk about here. And I sort of joked around that you were here to bring all our bills back to Donald Trump. I was having a little fun, yeah. um, but we have one on the constitutional amendment uh, to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. Uh, that would be earth-shattering. That would be world news in about five seconds if you announced it. I don't know if you had a chance to take a look. I mean, obviously, you know, I know you're re- really busy. Um, but mm-hmm. would you even consider uh, maybe presenting that to, to President Trump? And what do you think? I know economics is not your specialty, but um, right. if, if we stop Congress borrowing money. Advisor. Yeah, it's okay. Um, well, you know, I mean, we do a lot of things here. But that kind well, of thing, think, people you know, would rally around it, I think. Well, I think we need a lot of creative solutions. I don't think we can continue to do government the way we've been doing them. So mm-hmm. I'm very open to new, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say radical because then I'll get accused of saying something radical, but more out of the box uh, solutions to problems. I think that's appropriate. I think we need it in this time. So you know, I can't really opine on economics because it's not my area of expertise, but I mm-hmm. like the out of the box thinking. I think that's appropriate. I think that, that's the way you come to a good solution, you know, thinking of things that we haven't done before. That's what this show is dedicated to. You know, and this is where I'm hoping that we can connect with uh, the 2024 campaign uh, and provide legislation that you all might consider running on. You know, this is, and that's one of the big bills right there. Um, anything you want to bring up? I don't know how much time you have because I, I think you said like 20 minutes. That's what they told me. Yeah, I've got make, like you know. a couple minutes left. But um, okay. I, I just thank you for what you guys are doing on your show. I mean, free speech and speaking your mind and having, you know, a place where the community can discuss these things openly, I think is really, really important. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about stealing your vote, the book that I wrote that I had no idea was going to be so appropriately, you know, a counter to this indictment. Um, I hope people can check it out if you want to know what happened. Where do we get it? Where do we get it? Uh, You can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you know, wherever books are sold. Um, not too hard to find, but, okay. but yeah, no, I, I'm just really grateful for your platform and for the work that you guys are doing and, and how dedicated you are to the truth. Well, we're available to help. So, so let us help you. Anything we do, any legislation we can supply, you know, we are the ideas factory as Matt Gates calls us and I'm in Matt's district. So uh, please feel free to call on us anytime. And it's been great to have you. I on. love it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you too. Take care, Christina. All right. Bye. All right. Bye now. Wow. I just love having her on. It's so much fun. Um, uh, panel discussion, you, know, let's, uh, you want to recap anybody? Uh, Bonnie had to leave us now. We've got Pianchi, uh, Jonathan, and Catherine. Um, impressions, I don't even want to take a break. I want to just go fresh right into this. That was fascinating. A lot of information, a lot of uh, goodwill. I think a lot of uh, uh, stuff got accomplished. And uh, Jonathan and Catherine, uh, I think you might be able to, to contact her. I'll ask Christina you know, in a bit uh, if you guys can get in touch and, and see what kind of work you can do with her. Let's just start with Catherine. What do you think so far? Encouraged? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for connecting us, Greg. Oh, 
it's my job. It's kind of, I kind of like doing it too. I love doing good work like this. It's a, you know, uh, so many jobs are boring and, and you can't, you know, you don't see your accomplishments. You put papers from one pile into another. Here we actually, you know, we touch lives. You know, we make connections. And although we're not huge, although we're censored unbelievably, you know, we just talked to Trump's attorney uh, and, uh, and one of his senior advisors, you know, for 20 minutes. How often does that happen? How does that happen? You know, we've, we've got friends. We've got, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, there's, you know, everybody's behind us, including God. You know, and so there's a lot of things going into the show that are not, this is not a regular place. This is not a standard, you know, news reporting service. We're actually breaking ground. We're writing legislation. You know, if Christina takes that to Trump, that we have a bill that will take away the power of Congress to borrow money. And he decides to use that in the campaign. That's huge. That is historical, you know, in, you know, change. And that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Jonathan, what do you think? Let's wake him up again. Unmute. About what? I mean, it's, oh, I, I, I'm very encouraged. I don't know. The she weather. Her book. She's, not, she's yeah. obviously on the, the right page. I, I, <clears throat> I, I don't know how many attorneys swirling around Trump are in the same mindset as she is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they need to file some severe. Uh, I'm just debating with an idiot on on Breitbart's uh, comments right now. Um, the, um, Invite him on the show. <laughs> well, it, <clears throat> yeah, but, but so the idea that there's like these, all these indictments, there, there's something called the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure, uh-huh. which is created by, well, it's, it's the Congress has the authority, which of course, Congress being Congress, they wanted to like get all the, all the glory and not do any work or take any responsibility, like in, yes, prime minister. So they delegated the rules to the Supreme Court, um, which even though Congress clearly get, I mean, the Constitution clearly gives the, the duty to Congress, they, mm-hmm. they punt it because that's what they do. Um, so Rule 12 of the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure are uh, motion, various motions that are allowed to challenge or strike down an indictment. Then you have the whole political world thinking mm-hmm. in you know, the left wing thinking that, oh, it's an indictment. You should you know, we read the indictment. It's, it's devastating. No, there's no evidence in the indictment. I mean, it's just like the okay. indictment is, is, is like, I mean, like people say that, you know, some candidate did X, Y, Z because his ex-wife in their divorce proceeding accused it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, like, you know, like, like no, nobody has ever exaggerated in a divorce, in a divorce case. Oh, no. Um, and, and so, so they have all, so they have all these indictments and everybody's like, oh my God, we read the indictment. Trump is guilty of this, that, and everything. No, it's an accusation. And the point I'm making is that even the rules allow indictments to be, to be struck. If, if indictments were sacrosanct, if, if, mm-hmm. if indictments were, were, were evidence if they were always truthful why do they have a whole rule of like 20 different ways to strike down an indictment in the rules of the of the court hmm, the court's own rules say you can you can strike an indictment for this reason or that reason or another reason or what have you um because you know just because it's an indictment doesn't mean it's true Pianchi, let's get you in the conversation 
Jackie? Well, let me finish what I was going to say. I don't know if Christina Bob's sympathetic comments are going to translate into these mostly, I mean, I love her, I love Alina Haba, um, two or three other people, but most of these lawyers around Trump, I think, are, you know, a bunch of dead weight. They're bumps on a log. And are they actually going to file these motions? I, you know, I doubt it. We're going to see what happens. We're going to watch what goes on. I have a lot of faith in Christina Bob. I've watched her on One American News as a reporter. You know, she's been on the show twice. Uh, Catherine's left us, but I wanted to follow up with Catherine. Uh, she was asking some good questions. I mean, her specialty, when I read this in the bio, and I, I didn't see it until I read it this morning, you know, when I posted about her, her handling court martials and administrative separation hearings, that's her specialty in the Marines. That's why I wanted to get her connected with Catherine. You know, well, so, what, I, what I'm saying is, yeah. Here's another way of saying what I'm saying before Bianchi takes over. Okay. Is uh-huh. <laughs> takes over. If Christina Bob were in charge, right. I would feel a thousand times better. Okay. If the entire Trump legal team were up to her to decide, I'd be I'd feel I, I'd breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah, I don't know where her where she stands in the in the hierarchy. Uh, I know it's pretty high, but she's she's the public face of a lot of it, as is that other attorney who you mentioned who I'm not as familiar with, but uh no, I think I think a lot of interesting things happen. I'm going to give her a little follow up. I think she liked the idea of Trump and Robert Kennedy having a discussion on One American News during the time that the Republican donor class uh, folks are debating <laughs> with Trump not there. Nobody would watch their debate. I mean, this is a double blow. This is a blow to them, and it's a, it's a blow to the deep state to have uh, Trump and Kennedy, uh, the two most prominent in their party that are non deep state, having a chat, you know, during a, a, a nothing Republican globalist uh, beat session. I think that'd be fascinating. I just thought of that about an hour before the show. <laughs> that was a new one. Anyway, let's get to Pianchi. Uh, Pianchi, I wanted to let you ask a question. Uh, that's why I did that time check. But when Christina said she only had a couple of minutes left, I knew that wasn't really going to be possible. But if you have follow-ups, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's discuss them. And I can always get her you know, a question if you have it. And we'll see what happens. Pianchi, what did you think? Pretty interesting, huh? I was. Well, they all, they're, uh, they're on target to do what, do what they do. But as anything... One thing that really disturbed me is mm-hmm. that there's no young people that's being groomed. Now, you have Brianna on your show. So well, you I, I asked her to call in this morning. I would have introduced her. She didn't call in, so I don't know what happened. I was going to introduce her. Well, you her do to have Christina. her on show. Yeah, I do. You do have her on your show. But uh-huh. the thing is, is that when you see all these groups, these movements, other than something that's contrived by the left, you don't see any young people. Especially on the conservative side, they're sitting down. You got your O'Connells, you got what looks like a bingo convention, but you got to have young people. So <laughs> you said, "Up me, Jonathan, we're not going to be around forever." That's funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Amber might be coming back. I've been, I've been talking to her off the air too, so hopefully she'll come back on. But I'm always encouraging longer, younger folks to come on. You know, it's interesting. The guys don't want to do it. Most of the younger folks that I have are women. Uh, I find that interesting, too. So I'm wondering if there's a difference if the guys have been, uh, you know, demasculated to the point where they don't seem to have opinions anymore. They're, they're not the, the guys that they used to be, you know, like our generation. We don't mind fighting back. You know, even me, the nerd warrior. Well, you know, one you of know. the things that was uh-huh. an argument was corporate and big tech, what? Censorship. What does that mean? They don't want you to talk about it. They don't want you right. to hear it. Well, should mm-hmm. they not tell you something? Mm-hmm. Put this information into your young people. The younger, the better, starting off at three years old. And at some point in time, they won't be able to bamboozle people into plain old ignorance uh, like of what actually is going on. People are ignorant. They don't know. 
Well, most of it comes to the government schools. You know, you take parents that basically create Americans out of their children until they're about five. Then they go to government school where they turn into communists. And then at 18, they come back out again from high school and we have to try and turn them back into Americans again. You know, it's, we need to bypass that middle step. We need to stop the communist conversion and just get rid of government schools and just have, uh, you know, have parents pick a different, or like, the, like Arizona, the universal school choice. You get what we've been calling for for, long, for years. You know, you get a, a voucher and you take the money where you want. It's up to you. If you want to go to government school, great. If not, you know, go where you want. Well, one thing it would do, it would, it would uh, do away or uh, cripple a major weapon of the left, and that's the teachers' union. They well, there's a way around that, too. There's a way around that. Let me get Jonathan back here because it's something I discovered about four or five months ago is that the only reason we have federal unions, including teachers unions, was an executive order by John Kennedy. So all Trump has to do is reverse that executive order and there are no more federal unions. Jonathan, do you know anything about that? Oh, he's playing. He's playing with the Breitbart person. <laughs> he's distracted. No, I, I don't. I'm not familiar. Uh, no, I'm not familiar with that. That would be it's an executive order. Yeah, I've got it in my, my long list in my, uh, in my files. Uh, it's an executive order that uh, John Kennedy created federal unions, federal employee unions. It's not oh, a law. Oh, right, right. So well, Trump I think has Congress has... Is... <clears throat> um, I don't know if Congress has legislated on that topic as well, or since okay. then or whatever. But, but, but I know probably nothing would cause... When I worked for the Department of Education and Reagan's policies were trying to change it, they would uh-huh. run up the hill and get the Democrats to scream bloody murder every time they wanted to, uh, you know, to reform something. They actually got, you know, we were going to try to, that the, the library in the Department of Education um, could be contracted out. It didn't have to be done by government employees. They actually right. went up and got a Democrat Party, you know, uh, writer in a, in a bill to block us from, from, from doing that. So, you know, it would really, nothing would cause more screaming and hysteria and gnashing of teeth in the Democrats than anything touching on unions. But yeah, it could be, you know, <clears throat> it should be done. Well, here it is. Uh, I've got this uh, FLRA, Federal Labor Relations Authority, 50th Anniversary Executive Order 10988 which says 50 years ago, January 17th, 1962, so this would have been, I guess, 22, uh, or whatever. Federal employees first obtained the right to engage in collective bargaining through labor organizations when President John F. Kennedy issued Executive Order 1098, uh, 1098-1098, Employee Management Cooperation in the Federal Sector. Now, I don't see anything about a law in here. It just says the executive order. So if that executive order is repealed, would that, in fact, um, dissolve the teachers, the SAEU, all those other federal unions. Well, I'm just saying, I, I don't know if they, since then they passed other, other statutes, but um, <clears throat> it's worth a try. I mean, oh, because like it's one of the problems, yeah, one of the problems is, is, is that some of, uh-huh. these, some of these laws are over, some of these legal authorities are overlapping. So, so if there's a law and an executive order and you delete the executive order, yeah, it helps. No question. Hmm. Yeah, I have to do more research on this. Could talk about a Civil Service Reform Act, October 13th, 1978. Um, Congress finds that, is it a resolution or what is it? The Udall Substitute, Title VII, Federal Service Labor Management Relations Statute. Well, we can look it up. But it looks like Congress did take some action. I just, you know, I don't have time to research it right now. But if the executive order underlying that 
congressional action, like you say, uh, the law would still stand, but it wouldn't have as much to stand on, would it? Maybe necessarily. I don't know if you looked into it or not. If you haven't, then, then you know, I don't know. But it's just, I just find it fascinating that uh, they were created by executive order. That doesn't sound like something a president could do. Well, a teacher's union is not created by executive order. Teacher's unions are local. <clears throat> but if you don't have no students, you won't need teachers. If you don't have yeah, teachers, then they won't be paying into a teacher's union. Well, the local unions, are, now, are the local unions part of the national, like the NEA, the National Education Association? No, that is a national there. union, isn't it? Well, yeah, but they still, the teachers are local. They're not federal. Well, I know, but, but, the, but, the organ, but, the, but the federal part of it could be dissolved. Now, the local teachers unions want to set up shop. That's fine. I don't care. You know, they wouldn't have the power of the NEA to lobby Congress. Jonathan, what's, tell me, help me out here. The Department of Education, how much, how much influence did the, you got the, the national... You have the American Federation of Teachers, too, which is a teachers union. Okay. Well, let's, let's ask from the Department of Education point of view. How much effect did those people have? And if we got rid of the, the federal union education union uh, offices in Washington, how much difference would that make? Well, like, like much of things in politics and government, technically they don't. But okay. <clears throat> like Dr. Fauci picking up the phone to other countries and saying, you don't want to do hydroxychloroquine, do, do you? Um, in reality, they, you know, they, they influence a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 the authorizing act for the Department of Education emphasizes that it is a, it is a local issue. It's a state and local issue that there, there is, there shall be no federal curriculum. Um, but in reality, you know, when, you know, they influence people when they have, they, they pull everybody together for conferences or they hand out the money, mm-hmm. um, they, uh, to, to, you know, to willing people, they, they end up, um, having a tremendous amount of influence, but not on the book. Let me, let me say, yeah, let me say it's off the books more than it is on the books. Hmm. <clears throat> you know, if you got rid of the Department of Education, you know, you would you would not make a, a big change to the law, but you would like it'd be like having you know a nest of cockroaches in in your house. You you know you get you get rid of them um, out, out of there, causing causing lots. So where of would the national teachers unions go without a Department of Education? They'd have to lobby other branches. Well, they, they, they are local. I mean, they they are state unions, which then you know engage okay. in a national confederation. And and the problem is is that labor union law does you know provide some backup for them. Mm-hmm. So um, you know so that the, the federal law needs to go away, but they're not it, the unions are not established by federal law like you say. They're just um, <clears throat> the right to, to to bargain collectively is generically um, backed up by by federal law. <clears throat> and uh, and things like that, but but remember, but government that unions are different, to... though. Government unions are different because they're not bargaining with a finite amount of money with a corporation. They're bargaining uh, with taxpayer money, and the that's, and the government. And so this is why I don't like government unions. I have no problem with you. I was a teamster for years. I have no problem with the unions. You know, uh, my problem is where where the government. Federation. Go ahead. Teachers' unions was formed back in the early 1900s. Hmm. So, no, see, the thing is, is that it's not that you want to eliminate them. You just want to give parents the choice to take their kids out of those failing systems. Thus, the system is going to fertile. You see, as long as you got children there and there's no accountability, in other words, 
you there, but you're not gaining anything from it, and you're still paying for it, and then the money trail begins. But you have to right. you have to kill it by removing, right. letting the kids go. Yeah. So so, but remember, if you got rid of the teachers' unions, p- children would die. You know, all the children would commit suicide. <laughs> if you uh, if you uh, I mean, they can't. They couldn't. You know, the, the children would. You know, they want to ask uh, the teachers, "Why is your hair pink?" And uh, and uh, the teacher has to be able to set the the lesson plan for the day aside and talk about their their gay lover, or else. The teachers, will, you know, the students will, will commit to it. That's our Pee Wee Herman chat. Yeah, I'll have to get by on that next week. That was actually really funny because because Christina joined the show exactly when she started talking about Pee Wee Herman, and we just had this fascinating discussion about all this other stuff. I mean, it's it's amazing how all this works sometimes. Um, we've only got so about Christina twenty minutes Bob left. Felt she was not prepared for the discussion. She was not. <laughs> well, she's got a good sense of humor. That's what I like having her on. I mean, she's got this incredibly important position, and yet she's just like a regular person. So she's really great to talk to. Um, but uh, as always, there were several things that I had just in case she had longer, uh, but we didn't get a chance to get to. And one of those I want to discuss, um, Vivek, as I'm calling him, Obama Swami, who is, I think, the most dangerous person in the campaign right now because he's, he's the new Obama. He's the young, you know, not quite, you know, black enough, black enough. <laughs> You know, who's, uh, you know, articulate and uh, what did Joe Biden say? Clean, you know, and he, he looks very professional, very polished, says all the right things. He's got all those cliches down. He's well rehearsed. He's been groomed, you know, for politics, not for, you know, not, not the other sense that we're grooming. But um, but there's something wrong with him. And so I looked him up and I'm trying to figure out how he earned six hundred million dollars um, when he hasn't seemed to have invented anything. And I looked up his patents on Justia. And so he has he's part of a group that has two patents. Uh, both concerning traffic management and, and like Uber car tracking, uh, GPS stuff. And I'm thinking, I knew he didn't do that because he's not, he's, he's an electrical engineer, a computer engineer. He's a biotech guy uh, with a basic bachelor's degree. And he's got a Yale law degree, which he doesn't seem to have used. But how do you make $600 million when you haven't really invented anything or patented anything? Uh, something's wrong here. This guy's wrong. Panel? Any opinion on that? That's what you call. That's what you call a yellow dog contract. Okay. <laughs> but that's another discussion. Well, the the yellow dog Democrat was was the old thing where uh, people would yellow rather vote for a contract. yellow dog, a yellow dog than a Democrat or something or whatever. However, that worked. No, I mean yellow you would vote contract. for a yellow dog if it was if he had a D by his name. <laughs> oh, yellow oh, okay. dog contracts was that uh, if we hire you, you got to join the union. That was uh, the stuff went on with the teachers. But no, okay. that's uh, just those things have to be broken up because it has gotten completely out of control. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking for more stuff. I'm looking for my Obama Swami well, uh, patent. Oh, here we go. Here's patents. You ready? For, uh, oh, go ahead, Jonathan, and I'll get to. Uh, well, I mean, I just you know trust but verify. I don't know what 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 kind of. I mean, I mean, I you know if he if he's a politician, you know, there's a 99 percent chance that that he's lying and um, just because he's a politician, um, yeah. and he's a and he's a big phony. But you know, I mean, like like you know that we weren't born yesterday. But I don't know anything about him in particular, and um, okay. he sounds great. Well, that's See, the here's problem. the other he thing seems, about he sounds too good. About that's why I'm worried. Yeah, but here's the thing about people, politicians, Republican, who make really strong statements, mm-hmm. because the ones that want to 
get along with the moderates and they want to fool the rubes into pushing the Republican Party to the left. They typically don't go way out on a limb. Like on, like on abortion, if somebody says, you know, um, I believe in uh, pro-life, no exceptions. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, well, I don't care if, you know, if he gets in office and he votes for exceptions, I'm not too worried about it. But somebody who says, um, who's willing to take a very unpopular stand, mm-hmm. you know, th- he's probably serious. He's probably not just, you know, you know he, he wouldn't subject himself to ridicule. If he's just a if he's just a phony, is my my way of looking at. No, he's a very good phony, but I'd love to get him on the show. Excuse me. <clears throat> Especially what first alerted me that there was a problem was when he talked about if he's going to be president, he's going to pardon Donald Trump. And I said, you've just said Donald Trump is guilty of all the crimes he's accused of because you don't pardon people who are innocent. And so I'm immediately suspect that, that, that his job was to plant in people's minds that Donald Trump is guilty, but also to win favor with Republicans, because even if he is guilty, he's going to get pardoned by, uh, you know, Obama Swami. <clears throat> that just seemed wrong to me. I mean, what he should have said was Trump's not guilty of these things. This is ridiculous. It's a bogus prosecution, like Christine Bob was saying, that they're just trying to stop him from, uh, from you know, being on the ballot, from being in the, in the election. So he came at it wrong from what I would expect a Republican to do. That's why I was curious. I, I, I don't know, because most most Republicans, uh-huh. you know, would, ha- would be happy to, um, you know, to hang Donald Trump. Um, you know, again, if, they, if it would get them a favorable mention in the Washington Post. <laughs> so what do you think of the idea of, of uh, Donald Trump and uh, Robert Kennedy sitting down for a discussion uh, during the, the alleged deep state Republican donor debate? I think she liked that idea. I love that idea. I just had that before the show. Uh I don't understand. What debate? Okay. So this, uh, there is a debate that is scheduled. I think it's coming up fairly soon, actually. Okay. Then, um, the okay, first the Republican debate. debate. First Republican presidential right. debate uh, of the 2024 season. All right. And so all the deep state donor candidates are going to be there, you know, from Chris Christie, uh, Ron DeSanctimonious, and, and Nikki Haley, and, the, and, and all, the, all the deep state uh, goobers. They're all going to be there. And they want Donald Trump to be there. And so what I'm saying is, instead of Donald Trump going to that debate, he should do a thing on One American News. Uh, and Christina could arrange that. She's a former reporter from there, and I'm also in touch with Neil McCabe. Uh, so I could, you know, I'll probably contact him too. Um, but the idea is that during that debate, to sandbag them, you know, Trump not only doesn't debate on their debate, but he talks to Robert Kennedy as the two non-deep state candidates because the Democrats hate Robert Kennedy as much as the Republicans hate Donald Trump. And fortunately, I have contacts in both parties because of uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits, who's a friend of Robert Kennedy, uh, and Christina Bob and Peter Navarro, who've been on the show, who are part of the Trump campaign. So I'm actually working with, with both in a way. It's kind of interesting. But I find them fascinating because they're non-deep state that the potential here uh, is pretty incredible. You know, if they sit down and talk. Now, they're not going to agree on a lot. You know, one's a Democrat, one's a Republican. There's going to be a lot of policy differences, but in terms of integrity. And Christina says something really interesting about uh, not just uh, health and human services, but the CIA. If, if Robert Kennedy was in charge of the CIA, that would be fascinating. And then he could really find out what happened to his father and his uncle. Uh-huh. If they told him. You know, so, I mean, the, these are the two interesting candidates to me. Robert Kennedy and Donald Trump, you know, and I would love to see Kennedy in Trump's administration. In fact, Christine Bob was even saying that that would be an interesting thing, too, at CIA or at Health and Human Services. 
and then he's going to run in 2028. Go ahead. Well, I mean, so are you saying that they would have a competing discussion? Well, they're competing anyway because Kennedy's running. No, no, I mean, at the same time, no, I mean, at the same time as the debate. Right. It would would be a competing debate, basically. RFK instead of the. Did you call them goobers? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a forgotten word. I have I have a list on my Facebook page from time to time of forgotten. Um, so I think I'm going to use it more so often. I kind of like it. The deep state Google. Well, I think, yeah, I'm kind of, you, you kind of sold me. Uh, so, so, um, so anyway, so, so the, um, what are they calling the, the, the seven dwarfs or I think there was another. That's been used uh, before. Name. I don't know if it's seven. I, I like deep state Goober. <laughs> I'm going to keep using that. Yeah. Because they're all they're all donor class. They're all told what to say. They're all. I mean, DeSantis has, has basically screwed himself completely uh, for 2028 as well as 2024. Uh, so he's just he's an idiot. I can't believe he actually fell for the the the, the ego strokes that got him in there and the, and the money that was waved in front of his face. Idiot. So he's a goober. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it'll be fascinating. I think Bianchi's left us too, so it's just you and me for the next few minutes, and I might just end a few minutes early and. Uh, uh, play some stuff I'm supposed to play. We haven't had a single break yet. We've been going straight through. It's been a great day. This is one of my favorite shows of all time. I'm really enjoying this one. Um, but yeah, the non-deep state candidates, you know, sort of boycott. <coughs> I, see, I think they'd have a fascinating discussion. And they would disagree on some things, particularly economic policy. Uh, I'd say government, uh, various government programs they'd disagree on because Kennedy's still a Democrat. He believes in government solutions, whereas Trump would believe in private solutions. So they're going to have a difference. But they're both men of integrity. They're both men of conviction. Uh, they're both honest. You know exactly where they stand. They're not hiding things. They're not lying. Uh, and they both represent a very particular uh, political point of view. I think it would be a fascinating discussion. And, and not to have them you know, campaign together, because they won't. But I do see Kennedy in uh, the Trump administration and then Kennedy running in 2028. And I think a lot of Republicans have a lot more respect for Robert Kennedy than they do any of the deep state goobers. Right. <laughs> I, just like well, I just like saying it now. <laughs> uh-huh. What, what do you think? Well, but, but I think, I mean, first of all, I, I, I don't, I don't go with the idea that Trump should skip the debate. I think if he, okay, I, I think if he goes, if he goes to debate, he will wipe, he will wipe the floor with everybody okay. else. Okay. And, and so, um, you know, that's, that's my thinking, but, but, but for example, we've always said, or at least many of us have always said that if John F. Kennedy were running today, the Democrats would not allow him in their party right. because the Democrats have changed. Well, mm-hmm. we're seeing that played out in real time, which is quite interesting, okay. is that the Democratic Party has gone so far left, crazy, woke, insane, communist, that John F. Kennedy is not what would is in effect not welcome not just because i say it because we're watching it happen um there you know john f kennedy is not welcome in the democratic party today well how so much you know about robert kennedy how much you know about robert kennedy senior um <clears throat> robert rf junior's k junior's dad i'm not as familiar well, with robert as i am with john kennedy but uh, he was very well, well loved and respected but I mean that now, he was the attorney general, right? He was the brother right. of John mm-hmm. F. Kennedy. So yep. I mean he was he was part of John F. Kennedy's administration. Mm-hmm. And and if you believe the Hollywood movie, you know, he mm-hmm. he played a major role in the in in defusing the Cuban missile crisis. Yeah. You know, so he also so I, I was, was arch enemies of J. Edgar Hoover. 
And that that's that's right. credit too. Su- yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't suggest a lot of a lot of daylight between John F. Kennedy and, and his brother Robert as, as Attorney General. <laughs> I mean, you know, no, they're not the same person, but I don't think they were. I think they were cut from the same cloth, as far as I. Oh can yeah, tell. the same family. Yeah, no, I, I'd just be curious. Let me ask Marco, who's still listening in the Netherlands, because um, John Kennedy went to Berlin, Ich bin ein Berliner, which with a Boston mm-hmm. accent translates to "I'm a jelly donut," because he didn't pronounce the "r" properly. Um, but um, Marco, how was John Kennedy thought of in Europe? Do you do you have any recollection? I think he's, he was he probably missed that because uh, we were all too young for that. But uh, you know, I mean, Kennedy I think has pretty good reputation in Europe. You know, as as keeping Western Europe free, you know, from the communists. He hated the communists. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Marco says, "Good thing he wasn't wasn't in Hamburg." <laughs> you should be on hamburger. <laughs> I want ah, hamburger. Ah. Wait, did Mar- yeah. did the guy did he tell you that just now? Yeah, no, Marco. Marco texted. See, we got live chats. See, see if you go to their broadcast page. This okay. is what I do when I'm when I'm on the studio screen, right? So I'm monitoring That's all the good. phone calls coming in. I've got my buttons, my sound effects, and Marco is on pretty much every day, unless he has something he, else he either has to or wants to do. But he's in the wow. Netherlands, right? So, he, so he, he's, he's always typing messages <laughs> to me and making faces and stuff. He I, love, in. No, I love Good thing that. he wasn't that's, in Hamburg. No, you know. How about Frankfurt? He's been on Frankfurter. Well, um, and I don't want to, I don't want to dominate too, too much the, the conversation. You're, but the, you're the only one left. I, I, it's just you and me. Don't worry about it. Dominate. I'll, Feel free. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so... When I, you know, I went to the Soviet Union and then it, when it collapsed, you know, Latvia as a Christian missionary short term and then also teaching business over there. And I got uh-huh. to know local people and they, they, you know, they didn't know how to. So there, so this one woman who was trying to find investments in the West um, uh-huh. showed me this, this modest building in downtown Riga where John F. Kennedy stayed. For the summer. Hmm. Okay. After, you know, after college, those who could do it were wealthy. There was sort of a tradition to go on a, you know, to go on a, uh, to, on a, to, to Europe. They, well, they, I did that, they, but I wasn't wealthy. <laughs> I did it for three months, but I wasn't well, wealthy. I'll, I'll tell you how I lived, <laughs> you know, on scraps and bread and, you know, wine and farmer's markets and things like that. But I did okay. It was fun. I lost about 25 Right, but it was, sort of a, it, was, it was sort of a tradition that you graduate from college uh-huh. Then you go off and, 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 you know, blow off steam for the summer in Europe, yep. and then you get a real job. Bingo. Yep. Um, and so that, that John F. Kennedy did that. And the rumor is, is that he had, he had um, a, a girlfriend. girlfriend doesn't quite say it. Should we say foreign affairs? He a, he, <laughs> yes, he was had he, foreign affairs. He, he, yeah, he was engaging in foreign affairs. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and that was the house where, you know, where he stayed. And the, so he ran an apartment, and then that was nineteen. That was nineteen thirty-nine. Only months later, he watched the Nazis run over the place. Wow! And the communists go back and forth. So the theory being that for him, mm-hmm. this touched him very personally. Yeah. He knew that you know when he saw the, he saw what what the Nazis and the communists you know fighting because originally of course Stalin went into Poland from the east. They divided up oh. Poland. And Yeah, people forget so, that. People forget World War II. Stalin was, you know, uh, Hitler from the west, Stalin from the east. And they, they did. They, they partitioned Poland because it was flat. It's easy to send the tanks in. Yeah, go ahead. 
Right. So I can only imagine that John F. Kennedy, when he when he saw that happening, he knew right. people. Yeah. You know, he he was he wasn't just seeing some place on a map. He was he was seeing people he Those knew. Friends. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a big difference. This is where where Brandon doesn't have any experience, you know. And Kennedy was in the war, and we know about his PT boat being uh, slashed in half by a uh, Japanese destroyer and all these things. So he's always, he's, he's had real challenges. I'll tell you an interesting story: is his older brother Joe Kennedy, who was the one everybody thought would be president. Uh, he was a pilot, and he was a test pilot, and he was the one flying one of the first B-17 drones that was full of explosives and was supposed to uh, be radio controlled. But they had him in. Uh, and he was supposed to bail out, but unfortunately it blew up with him in it still. Um, and so that's how we lost Joe Kennedy, uh, uh, John Kennedy's older brother. So I guess it's four of them, John, uh, Joe, John, wow. Robert, and Ted. So the four brothers. But that's how Joe Kennedy died in World War II. So John Kennedy became, you know, like the next in line, you know, to be president. And I thought he was fabulous because uh, – um, I mean, obviously everybody does some things you disagree with. But in terms of vision – you know, if for nothing else but the moon, going to the moon, you know, and then you look at uh, presidents with no vision uh, or limited vision. Obama just wanted to make us a communist state, you know, fundamentally transform America into something that he wants that we don't. How selfish can you get? Um, Clinton. I mean, I think you saw the White House as his playroom. You know, these people that, that get power. Bush just wanted to be a, a good globalist and, and show daddy. You know, Bush the Younger wanted to show daddy he could make a bigger war in Iraq than daddy did. And daddy wanted to show how <laughs> tough he was. It is, being a CIA guy. Yeah. So you had Bush the Elder making that. a war to show how tough he was. And you had Bush the Younger wanting to make a bigger war so he could show how tough he was to daddy. I mean, that's really what it was all about. And, and remember that um, the whole thing about George H.W. Bush when he's president, uh-huh. there was this whole thing about him being a wimp, the wimp factor. Right. So he went in to invade Panama. Oh, you yeah. know, Noriega. you know, beat up on, beat up on the, yeah, just to arrest Noriega, mm-hmm. and you know, so you know that that's just disgusting. That just to show he's not a wimp, he goes up and you know crushes some little. Um, oh, that's a, I mean, that's a, often that's presidents do that all the time. Clinton sent the missiles into Bosnia the day after Lewinsky was discovered. I mean, that's that's what that was right. all about. That's what that's what took her off the headlines. So presidents often use attacks against, you know, non-threatening, you know, targets all the time. I mean, that's like a standard ploy, but they usually don't start a war over it. You know, Iraq, you know, the effects of what have we accomplished since Iraq? You know, I mean, I love our service folks. I mean, I honor them. I respect them. I thank them. I just don't like them being sent to to places where they have no business being. And that would be Iraq, Afghanistan and Ukraine. Right. Well, that's what, that's why, that's what my, you know, my brother keeps saying too. It's like, you know, it's, these things are all great until, you know, my tax dollars are being used to drone, you know, little children to death in Africa. Um, So, um, uh, and again, for, you know, the country is not that bad. Some of our politicians are, as you just said. Um, But, but, you know, Panama, let me say, Panama is not a small country. But it's a poor, weak country. So, you know, George H.W. Bush invading Panama is, you know, it's like it's like um, is like a street gangster, you know, taking on an old elderly woman in a, you know, walker. Yeah. Um, just how tough, how tough he is. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, it's like like a militia group uh, or like the FBI taking on a you know a militia group of ten people you know in a log cabin. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. They've got right. tanks and you know or Waco for example. Yeah, we're we're out of showtime, um, but this has been fascinating, and uh, well, let's see what happens. Well, I, I'm going to talk to you both of you off the air about uh, getting an email to Christina in case she wants to follow up with you. I think there's, I think there's a real possibility there, and I think there's a real possibility that uh, my goal, as always, is to connect with the Trump campaign and have all of us go to Mar-a-Lago. You, me, Catherine, Josie, uh, Brianna, you know, Pianchi, um, all the folks you- that uh, went, Wendy, and we, we need to be there to, uh, to get a citizen right. legislation before Donald Trump. And you also, uh, yes, yes, yes. And also, you need to get Matt Gates on. I, tried. I was calling I thought... you last night. He, oh, he's got okay. a massive idea. What's that? Well, if we don't have time, I mean, he, he no, says that if, if, Congress, if Congress called Trump in as a witness, that they could give him immunity and it would, it would, it would end uh, the, these indictments, at least the one in D.C., which is the one that's a problem because it's D.C. That's a great – I had not heard that. Okay. Well, you know, I, I've called – uh, just so everybody know, I have called his office, his district office, you know, every day uh, of the recess. Bye, Marco. Take care. Have a good day in the Netherlands. Um, <clears throat> I've called his office every day. They're not getting back to me. You know, I talked to Matt Gates personally at a, at a rally – uh, what about six weeks ago, maybe two months ago now? I'm not sure when it was, <clears throat> but I met him. I said, Hey, we need you back on the show. I've got ideas for you. Let's talk. He's like, okay, <clears throat> but never, then it never happened. So he's got minions and I can't get past the minions, but I've tried, you know, and this yeah, is a fabulous maybe. idea. It kind of goes, a, it's sort of like our idea of a political asylum that I was talking to Christina about. Yeah, I was half joking, but they might be able to use this as a rhetorical point in a rally or something that uh, the idea right. that the president of the United States has to get political <laughs> asylum from an illegal U.S. government. I mean, I thought that was a fascinating concept. Jonathan? Yeah. So uh, I think Matt Gates needs to refine. He told it to Charlie Kirk yesterday. Okay. Um, Trennis Evans asked the question, um, dude, why are you talking about it instead of just doing it? Um, and, yeah, and, but, uh But the thing is, is that he does need to refine it a little bit better in order to make it work because the idea that dc is supposed to be a neutral territory the constitution carved out 64 square miles precisely so that it would not be influenced by any state it would be <clears throat> it would be you know purely national but what they've done is they've turned it into a den of thieves which threatens the entire country and so so they they the district of columbia has turned not the people, obviously, or the thing, but the, but the federal, um, you know, the, the federal courts in D.C. have have turned the entire Constitution on its head and threatened to unravel the entire Constitution. Um, so yeah. I think that in that grounds, Congress needs to, um, you know, needs to investigate because they, they have they have a situation where. The, the federal, you know, the federal election is about to be um, upended by a district that is supposed to be neutral. Mm-hmm. It was designed by our constitution to be neutral, and and it's the exact opposite. Well, did you ever read my article, "The Nation of Government," where I write about Washington D.C. as its own country, and we are basically colonies, the fifty colonies uh-huh. of the country 
of the nation of government. And that's really what it's come to because uh, it really, really <clears throat> describes exactly what you're talking about in, in just a little bit more detail. Um, this is this is. But the thing yeah, is, if it, if it, Matt mm-hmm. Gates, Matt Gates can't. I mean, they, they can't call him in and immunize him without any reason for it. Just just as a naked, you know, power play. Well, they need to do what I've been suggesting all along, which is they need to have the select committee on the stolen 2020 election. That would do it. Uh huh. You know, they had a great committee here. I don't know if you heard the one on the uh, uh, the unconstitutional. They said that the Constitution is always in force, even in a pandemic. Uh, this Ohio congressman, uh, Wenstrup. Uh, I've got the hearing I posted on, on my Facebook page. I've still got uh, a record of it. It was a fabulous hearing. And, of course, you, you skip over the Democrats. I, I've learned to listen to hearings after they're over uh, and just skip over the Democrats because there's a total waste of time, and they're very frustrating. Um, but he talked about – he made a great opening statement, and he made a great uh, – I might even cover that tomorrow. I might even read it. Uh, and the closing statement said, look, you know, the Constitution is always enforced. As Pianchi says, there's no on and off switch. They can't just come in and make a bunch of mandates, you know, take away your rights, you know, and you can't quarantine healthy people. And all everything they did was quarantining healthy people and saying asymptomatic transfer, you know, or you got to keep other people safe, you know, it's nonsense. No, you don't. You really don't. You have to keep yourself safe. But uh, I'm not responsible for giving up my rights to keep other people safe. And who's to say giving my rights is going to keep anybody safe? So it's a bogus argument. But let me let me see what happened with Matt Gates. Let me call him again on that. See if I can get him on the show to explain further. And then you could come on the show and talk to him about it from a, a legal point of view. Yeah, I know you would. <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, no, he, well, says, you know, he says that he says that it takes a chairman like Andy Biggs. Uh-huh. It, what, what, he, what, he, what he needs to have it happen is a chairman of a subcommittee or committee would have to, would have to uh, call Trump in. <clears throat> and then Trump would say, well, I can't talk. I can't talk about it because I'm facing um, prosecution. And then the committee says, okay, we're grant you immunity. Yeah. Go. Yeah, exactly. No, that'd be fabulous. Uh, Jordan could do it. Uh, who's running uh, over, well, oversight? Jim Comer. James Comer could do it in oversight. Right. Um, uh, Jim Jordan could do it. Uh, he's head of judiciary. It's probably the best, best place is judiciary. Now, the Democrats would scream and yell and, right. and piss and moan, but they couldn't stop a hearing on the stolen 2020 election. You know, and we saw right. Lindell's plan. I, I was going to ask uh, Christina about Lindell's plan, too. But, uh, again, I, I only got to about half of what I, I got accomplished what I wanted to, but I still had another, you know, 20, 30 minutes of, of material, you know, should the opportunity have presented itself. Well, I'm hoping she'll, she'll want to contact you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send her an email. Um, All right. uh, we'll get your, well, your, the email you want off the air and, uh, Christine, and uh, Catherine's email, too. Well, um, for Matt Gates, um, I mean, the politically careful way to do it in terms of public, um, public, they're going to say, you know, okay, you want to prosecute Trump for this? Fine, but you can't do it in the District of Columbia. Yeah, that'd be fine. At least you'd be I mean, state. yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously yeah. that's not the entire loaf. Right. But I think it drives the point home. It's like, look, we can't have. A federal a federal district mm-hmm. that is corrupting the entire country. Right. So if you well, have, also need if you have yeah. something if you have something that you can you can bring and you can bring it you know in in um, Oklahoma go for mm-hmm. it. Mm. Well, you'd also need a jury of his peers, and that would be conservative businessmen. <laughs> you know, finding a jury of his peers 
You know, you could knock out any government employee, although he was one briefly. But uh, right, but Trennis, and Trennis Evans points out that uh, I think it was Trennis, maybe it was you, but somebody was saying that they, um, um, <clears throat> since DC is not a state, that was me. The, ju- the yeah. jury cannot be a jury of his peers. No, I said I said that you can't hold it there because DC is not a state. That he is a state citizen of the state of Florida. And Florida should right. be exercising some extradition over this, or at least, you know, uh, well, doing I mean, something. It's complicated because if you if you go to Idaho <clears throat> and murder somebody, mm-hmm. Idaho can prosecute you. In, in a, but the thing is, is that DC is state. not a state, so you, you right. can't. It can't be a jury of his peers because it's not a state. Yeah, it's not part of the. It, technically, it's not part of the United States, which is interesting because it's not a state. It's a district. It's an independent, separate district designed to be that way so that no state has the capital of the United States in their state, which makes perfect sense. It's actually a brilliant idea. The right. Problem and, is, but however, where it got uh-huh. screwed up is that all these people went to live there. Yeah. That was not the idea. It was not supposed to be a residential district. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, well, they, the they made a law that nobody could live there. No one could live in D.C. That would be very interesting, but I don't know if you could do that. Um, but the biggest thing is just to, uh, you know, cut down the size of government. Well, the um, way they could know, do that, the way, the way they could do that uh-huh. is to give that is to give all the residential parts to Maryland. Yeah. It doesn't have to be as big as it is. So you limit it just to the district would be just the federal government buildings, which is mostly what Pennsylvania Avenue. The, so from the right. Pentagon to the well Arlington National Cemetery is actually in Virginia that's not even in DC so you've got it the was Potomac. part of the district the, oh, it was the, 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 yes that that corner of the diamond went back to Virginia because of the Civil War oh that's interesting I didn't know that huh okay so if you take uh, Jefferson Lincoln Memorial down the mall uh, you got the Pentagon off to your right you've got the Capitol building at the end you've got the White House uh, the Smithsonian up and down the mall. Do you do you really need the district to be any bigger uh, than the uh, than those areas? Maybe from like Lafayette Park, you know, any of the historic uh, government uh, buildings? Because uh, most of them are on Pennsylvania Avenue. Like the FBI is there. Some of the other Department of this, that, and everything is. You know, they're fairly close together, aren't they? So we don't really need that big a district. Right. It's called the federal city. Okay. I mean, I, yeah. mean, I, I think originally in our founding. Uh-huh. You know there are there are references. There's I think there are somewhat indistinct. You know it's not like I mean they're more of tangential side references, not like a definitional reference. But they talk about the federal city. Okay, so if you give the northern, we could write a bill on this. It'd actually be an interesting idea. So if you give the northern parts back to Maryland, the residential parts, uh, is there a southern part of DC that should go to Virginia? Or is it mostly no? Because northern? it already did. It already did. Oh, interesting. I mean, so there, I mean, there, there, I mean, there, there are Southeast DC mm-hmm. is not only um, <clears throat> residential, but very poor, you know, Anacostia, right? It's miserably poor. Yeah. But that's not part of DC though, is it? Or is it? Yes, it is at, at okay. present. Yeah. We give that back to Virginia. I mean, Alexandria is well. That, part no, of that's, on that's, that's on the Maryland side. That's on the Maryland side. Anacostia is. Yes. Oh, and I guess I have to look at a map again. Maryland must wrap around DC more than I'm imagining it does. It does. 
It does. Okay. All right. Let's do let's do a bill on that. It'd be fascinating. Well, let's draw some new lines here. All right. <laughs> the DC, the, okay. DC, I, I'm serious. I, DC Divestment Act. Yeah, <laughs> I do. All right. I got to. I better go. Thank you. Appreciate okay. your help today. Thanks for calling in. Sure. Thanks. All right. Let's go to the DC to Maryland Act. I'm going to write this down here. Maybe I'll draft it. I'm going to look at a map. <laughs> this sounds like fascinating. We'll drop, uh, we'll change DC and just. Uh, so, in other words, remove the residential areas. Remove the residential areas. Yeah, make them part of uh, Maryland. That'll stop D.C. from being uh, this claim that it'll be a state, but it can't be a state. The Constitution says it can't be a state. It has to stay a district. Residential areas. What a great day today. Um, great to have Christina Bob on. I'm going to follow up with her. Let's see what happens. Uh, hopefully we're one step closer to connecting with the Trump campaign. And we'll go from there. Thank you all for listening today. This has been a very special show. I really uh, uh, appreciate having everybody listen. Please share the show. Uh, please share our bills that we talked about. Go to writeyourlaws.com. I'll give you the information here in a second as to where to find everything. But uh, this, is, this is one of those you know, kind of magic shows from starting off with Bill to Wendy to Bonnie uh, to Christina to everybody who joined in, Jonathan, Catherine, Pianchi. Uh, I'm really happy. Really happy today. So I think we've accomplished something. Let's see where we are tomorrow when we do it all again at 7 a.m. Central Time here on Action Radio, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. 
Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Greatcare, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Action Radio. 
part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.